Hey, guys, just a reminder, uh, shirts are on sale through July 6th. If you really want to help the podcast out and get a shirt, it's a two-for-one action. Sleepwithmepodcast.com slash shirts. Let's get on with the show. Hey, good evening. Are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Well, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Sleep With Me is proud to present Game of Drones, the Game of Thrones podcast that's here to put you to sleep. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. We're going to do the rest. And what is the rest? You might Fair question, if, if you're asking that question. Or what the hell did you... Fair question. Uh, fair... Jet, what, what do you call that? Facial expression. Well, let me, let me explain what you do. This is a podcast to help you fall asleep. And it's Sunday, it's our last, uh, last episode of the Season 5 of Game of Thrones. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the episode. First, there'll be an intro with a bunch of housekeeping and stuff. Then we'll talk about the episode. Then we'll talk about stuff I thought about during the episode, I'll say. And this is a joke I like to bring up every three... Well, not a joke, because it doesn't have a punchline. But a reference I find amusing... I say, Jesus, did somebody say Oshkosh by gosh there? Or by gosh? That makes me think of Oshkosh by gosh. And that makes me wonder about, uh, what do you call those things, monopolies. Because how come people make monopoly-related metaphors, not the game monopoly? I'm talking about trade, you know, vertical, horizontal-type monopoly stuff. You know, the invisible hand of Adam Smith... And our total free market economy we have here, you know, with, you know, totally free market stuff. I, I like to say, oh, wait, no, I got off track. I say, well, why, why, no, Oshkosh, but gosh, how come they haven't, you know, been punished by the fist? You know, do we need to rise up and say, you know, take down that, were they once uh, overthrow, you know, are they the Ma Bell of overalls? Do we need, you know, for, see, well, geez, overalls aren't that popular. They're on the downs. Well, if, what if they come back? You know, will we be stuck in the clutches of Oshkosh Bagash, controlling the market, controlling prices, crashing, you know, the denim, driving up the price of raw denim, unspeakable things, and then, so then I'll, and I'll try to be like, you know, and that's why when Stannis said it, Stannis didn't say Oshkosh Bagash. He probably thought it for, or just the by guy. No. I bet you Podrick seems like the kind of person that would say Bagash. He'd say Bagash, Brienne, the candle burning back there. Well, you know, oh, he might have said Bagash. There's our, Stannis' armies coming down these uh, forest trails. Anyway. That's kind of what the podcast is like. The 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 second second third of the podcast, or maybe the second. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not good with, with fractions. Uh, but and then after that, we'll I'll talk about. We'll have a visit from Tom and Sir Pounce, and then I'll pray to the old gods and the new. But that whole time, I'll be taking a lulling, soothing tone, just like I have now. You know, I'll try to trigger relaxation, amusement, but mostly distraction. Because, you know, what could kind of interest you more 
than a guy talking for four minutes about Oshkosh, Bagash, and Monopolies. You know, if you're in bed, you're thinking, you're worrying, you're stressing, you're figuring, you're calculating. I mean, if there's anything I could tell you, fractions and bed do not belong together. Fractions are way too pointy. You know, there's points all over the place. So you, you know, put the fractions aside. God forbid you break out one of those friggin' compasses or even one of those half-circle things. What are those called? A param... Not a paramecium. Par... It'll come... Hopefully it'll come to be. I know they have a specific name. But one of those things, it's rounded, but it still has to... Don't, don't do that kind of stuff at bedtime. And you might say, well, what about a nice little cosine or... You know, they're rounded sine cosine. I'd say, No. And they say, well, she, well, we plenty of room for logic at bedtime. We'll do, we'll just do some logic work. And I would say, Every, everybody calm down. You know, this, this wonderful person behind all your, you know, they're not even taking the SAT. They took the SAT 25 years ago, or they're taking the SAT in uh, 18 months. But they're not taking the SAT or the ATT or whatever the hell tomorrow. And guys, I'll tell you what, you know, with your fractions and your cosines, even if they were, it'd be, be, it'd be better off resting at this point. And I, I, I'm going to distract you guys. You guys like Monopolies or Oshkosh Bagash? And don't worry, I'll, I'll throw in some math references for everybody. I'll throw you some math-related bones, and I'll drop a boom bone in there and, you know, silly stuff like that. And that's, that's how it works here. I'm going to try to distract all those ECGs. And then somebody's going to raise their hand in the back here. But what about a spreadsheet? And then you're going to, then another part of, well, what do we use? We use when, what, what, what program, what, what platform, cloud-based? Or should, should we get a license or a monthly? Whoa, 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 guys. Listen to this voice. It's calming. It's, inclu- it's inclusive. I'm going to include all of you, all-inclusive. Like an all-inclusive part for the math-like parts of your brain. Like an all-inclusive. You guys don't need... No tips are included. All gratuities. Everything. No hidden charges, boys. So put down your compasses. You know, take your number two pencils. Leave them in the living room. I got it covered. Don't worry. I'm here to help you fall asleep. And for you, those of you that can't sleep, it'll be mildly entertaining. And that's a pod- podcast in a nutshell. Uh, well, maybe say, what's the diameter of that nutshell? I said, we'll figure it out tomorrow. Don't worry, it'll still be a nutshell tomorrow. And then I see you in the bed. You say, well, geez, that's a bunch, bunch long. You know, that was big. Okay, we'll, 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 we'll bust out. We'll do it in, we'll do it in metric and uh, imperial or colonial or whatever it's called. So, I mean, my message is I'm glad you're here. I'm glad all your little math-related friends are here. Or you may say, well, geez, I'm more into the shame, shame math, emotional shame math. No math, you know, just emotions and shame. And I say you're welcome here, too, you know. Uh, I, I, I say ash gosh, bagash to you as well. And that's how podcast works, uh, distracting, pointless you might, you might even say a harsher blathering. I have never used that before with this podcast. 
But a bit of blathering goes on. As much uh, word were used two letters that I just forgot when I was about to say it. Uh, I like to use that word, but then I forgot it. But basically, a bit of blathering. By gosh. Well, I did, that was a little miracle there. Got to use by gosh one more time in my blathering, boys. So uh, I hope I'll be falsely, but I'm glad you're here. You know, we have other episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, non-Game of Thrones related. And this will be our last Game of Thrones fresh episode for a little while. I need a little break, but but, but I'll, I'll try to keep stuff in the feed. It might take a week or two off in the pure Game of Thrones only feed, Game of Thrones only feed. But I got some ideas. We'll be re- reusing material, but, uh, you know, I wanted to, something to be out there for you, all right? All right, let's get on to the housekeeping. All right, uh, house, housekeeping. You find us on the web at www.sleepwithmepodcast.com. Older episodes will be there on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you might use. You know, feel, feel free to review and rate us if you have time. If you need to, oh, older Game of, Dro- Game of Drones episodes are at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash drones. Uh, if you need to get a hold of me, the easiest way is uh, Facebook or Twitter, uh, Facebook Sleep With Me Podcast, or on Twitter at Dear Scooter. Also, I post sleep-related articles in both those places and bloopers and stuff like that. You can also email me feedback at sleepwithmepodcast.com, or you can comment on the website. I would love to hear from you. If you want to contribute a show idea like a picture or a link or a saying or something and you're on Twitter, we change the hashtag a little bit to The Silvertone. So just use hashtag The Silvertone. And, uh, or you can use the old one, Silvertone. But yeah, if you want to contribute a little show idea over there and honor the sweet dulcet tones of The Silvertone and his drummer Boom Bone, uh, shirts, thanks everybody who's bought a shirt. And if you want to buy a shirt, it's over at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash shirts. Or over on teespring.com and just search for Sleep With Me Podcast. Uh, we got two types of shirts, a Sleep With Me logo shirt and a shirt that says Sleep With Me. And then a little podcast that puts you to sleep. Uh, those particular shirts will be on sale through July 6th and then that's it because Teespring's doing the shirts in order, you know, that I can concentrate on doing the podcast. And it's just like, you know, next time we do shirts, they'll be different, and then that'll be the only time for the next time. But this time, if you can do the shirts, it'd be great. The money's going to help us out. The new mic, a new preamp, and then paying off the, or and then paying off part of the laptop I have. If there's any colors or styles you wish you could buy, you're like, well, I'm not going to buy a T-shirt because there's nothing in pea green. Uh, if you say pea green might not happen, but, uh, if you're looking at a couple, let me know. All right, I want to thank Chris Posty Posterson, who does our music. He's got a podcast over at soundslikeanearful.com. I want to thank Scotty and Jennifer, in charge of our iconic artwork, helping out on the shirts. Over at uh, sleepwithmepodcast.com slash nods, you can find our Facebook group. And the moderators over there, Alexandra and Laura, I want to thank them. I want to thank if it sounds a little bit better, it's because uh, Brian the Boom, Brian the Boom, over on Twitter, donated a boom to the podcast. 
I think I think it might be called a retract adjustable arm. But real really it's a boom for us. So it's Brian the boom. Thank you, Brian. And I think I, from what I can hear, it sounds better. Over on YouTube, I want to thank my perfect fantasy for the support, NuxyTube for the ongoing support, Ryan C for your nice comments. Uh, Jesus slash Chris for their ongoing support. And I want to apologize to Housie Dog. I'm so sorry. So sorry. Because I don't think I thanked you. And you uh, were very kind to us on YouTube, too. Over on Twitter, I'm going to thank uh, Kim L. Uh, Libby. Libby, no, I've not had a chance to watch hits yet. It's uh, maybe, hopefully, I will at some point. If, uh, maybe Sunday night. Oh, let's keep our fingers crossed. I want to thank Ch- 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 Chicago Girl, Amelia, Sandy D. Over on Facebook, I want to, if anybody, Mark Zuckerberg, if you're listening, something weird's going on, I'm not getting notified of everything on the Facebook page. So I've been missing stuff. I don't know what's up with that, but I want to thank Trish T, Suze B., Emily L, uh, Sam S, Karen L, and then I want to make so, so for, for all your kind words. And I want to say Jocelyn G, Christian J, and Jolie C. If you're hearing this, please email me feedback at sleepwithmepodcast.com. Uh, one of you was our thousandth like, and I want to give you a nice big discount on a shirt if you're interested. So just email me feedback at Sleep With Me Podcast. I want to thank uh, Miss M. Faye, Susie Carly, and Michelle for the emails. And then over on iTunes, I want to thank Marcy Jill uh, for her iTunes review, Life and Sleep Saver. Wow, thank you, Marcy. Who says we can when when she wakes up in the middle of the night? We we help that uh, her fall back to sleep. And she feels like I'm a real friend, and I appreciate that. And I I'm glad to be the friend there, your boyfriend, boyfriend there to carry you off into dreamland or back to dreamland. And then Chris Duncan seventy two says in the Somniac no mo. As a man, mo, 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 insomniac, no, mo, mo, with insomnia, he's got insomnia, no, mo, says Chris Duncan with a rebel yell. Uh, he says we're awesome, funny, monotonous, and superb at helping Chris fall asleep. So thank you, Chris. And I want to thank all of you in, in with no sense of irony or any whatever the hell the other words are sarcasm. All you out there, this is a silent majority. I want to thank you guys for just listening and subscribing to the podcast too. Uh, you know, you support me. You, you know, in your own ways, or you say, "Geez, I just listen to the podcast. Isn't that good enough?" It is good enough. All right, so don't let your Rainbots say, you know, must you know, thank you for your support, whether it's talking or just listening to the show. Thanks so much, and let's let's keep moving, huh? All right, everybody. So we're talking about uh, Mother's Mercy this episode, episode ten, season five, 
Oh boy, is all I can say. I did not, you know, if you don't watch Game of Thrones, but you think you're going to watch it, just stop right here because you don't want to know everything I'm going to tell you. Or hopefully you're asleep already. But first of all, I, I didn't think about this when I was watching the episode for the two, two or three, two and a half times I watched it. But if if Amon, I, I was laughing, which probably is inappropriate, but I was thinking Amon said, kill the boy, Jon Snow. And uh, how right was Amon? He was, I was like, man, kill the boy. He said it like three times, kill the boy, Jon Snow. And it wasn't a metaphor. He was dead serious. So if an old man tells you to kill a young boy in Westeros, you know, you should probably think at least say, huh, I wonder if he meant that literally. Like he didn't mean kill the boy, Jon Snow, you know, which maybe would have, I said, geez, yeah, I don't know if there was a boy, Jon Snow. He seemed like he had become a man. Maybe if he was, he said, act like a petulant boy, Jon Snow. And Jon Snow, you know, but he said, kill the boy, Jon Snow. He just said it in his old man, you know, way. Egg, egg, I told Jon to kill the boy just like you told me in my visions. And then he probably told Sam, and Sam was making out with Gilly. Anyway, let's get to the actual TV show Game of Thrones and not the show that goes on in my brain. So this episode opened with a beautiful image of icicles drip, drip, dripping. And then a face goes behind the icicles. And I said, is that face going to play peekaboo? And I said, no, it's the red woman. And then... She has this light smile of glee, and it was very, it was, it it was wonderful acting, I guess I could say, because I don't want to say anything good about the Red Woman, the character, but it was a lovely acting moment. And then we're at Stannis' camp, there's this muddy thaw going on, and any very relatable moment, anyone that's ever lived in the Midwest or the mountains, or, uh, you know, upstate New York knows what these muddy thaws are like and the, and the earthy smells and the squishity squish. So they really captured a nice moment there. And the Red Woman's traipsing through there. And there's a little detail as she was holding up her dress or her bustle. I don't know what a bustle is, but I said, well, is that a bustle she's holding up? But she was holding it up so it wouldn't get muddy, which I found, I said, well, that's intriguing. This is one of the worst people on this continent, and she doesn't want her bottom of her dress to be muddied. And then we go into Stannis' tent, and he's dressing. He's a little bit grouchy. It, I think, or or totally insane, or both, grouchy and a lunatic. And the red woman comes in. She's all confident. She's glowing. And Stannis kind of gives her the bump off. She's like, uh, she's like, you know, Lord Light melted the snow, boss. You know, promise came true. Uh, you know, I don't even know what to say. Because it's such a terrible thing. I'm going to have to delete. But she says, all clear to Winterfell. 
Uh, Bolton Banners are gonna. I remember I told you I saw it, and I'm right. And he kind of he just says, "Get away from me! I'm disgusted with both of us." And then we have Stannis outside, and the dude's like, "Yo, your grace." And Santa says, uh, be prepared to fall out. And then there's this pause that says a million, million things in that pause. And even Stannis, as you know, poor as his interpersonal skills are, he, know, he says, what is it? And he, he, well, he first he has this glare. And I think he says, tell me. And the dude's like, you know, half the army left with all the horses when you... Uh, uh, sided with the the devil or our version of the devil you know they they said we're cell swords not hell swords and then Stannis said take him out and be no he did the guy didn't really say that but right after he says that there's this uh close-up of Masan, m- 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 the red woman I can't get her name right and she has this look I, I put three question marks down here it was, I said it was a real nice shot but I couldn't again figure it figure it out Melisandre, 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 Lord Commander. Uh, but also when they did that shot of her, you really got a taste for red hair for the first time this season, or at least for me. I mean, it was, it was, you know, but instead of a mouthful of red hair, I got a screenful tongue, you know, tongue, but it, it was. I said, "Geez, her hair's got a nice." I don't know if that's a highlight. What is it when your hair is different in the in the one kind of sunlight and a different color? I don't think that's a highlight. I think it's like something else. And then she she closes her eyes and frowns, and then you know they say, "Well, geez, in Westeros, uh, things can always get." And they say that last episode, things can always get worse. And so another dude walks up and he's like, hey, 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 Stannis, more bad news. He says, your grace. And Stannis says, speak up. He goes, and he's, he curses himself. He says, it can't be worse than uh, losing all the cell swords and uh, the horses. And the soldier said, yeah, it, it can't be worse than that because you already did something a billion times worse than that, Stannis. And the only reason we're here is the other half of your army has, uh, you know, sores on their feet, so we couldn't abandon your camp. But the guy, he can't even answer Stannis. He just moves his mouth like uh, he's got nothing. He can't put words together. And then we see that, uh, you know, what, what, what we probably could figure out on our own, Stannis' wife is gone. And he tells his, his soldiers to take care of her. And then somebody else is like, hey, Stannis, by the way, the red woman, she took off. Uh, she wasn't headed towards Winterfell. And Stannis, again, this acting is just, he his lips were like, they weren't pursed. They were like pulled into his teeth in this just this wonderful way. And he looks around and he says, get the men in marching formation onto Winterfell. And it was just, it was just uh, disturbing. I mean, the acting is so good, and then Stannis is just, he's a disturbing man. Or disturbed, maybe, I don't know. And then we have John and Sam in this little intimate moment. And John's kind of, we catch them mid-conversation, and John's just finishing up uh, telling Sam about the horrors of Hardhome. 
And he even has a cut on his face, a little bit of blood, Jon Snow. And he talk, he says, you know, I hope they don't learn how to climb and drag them all. Sam's like, what about the dragon vest? He's like, nope. And he's like, it was not, there's too many anyway, it wouldn't have mattered. And then Sam's like, well, how'd you kill the White Walker? Did you use Gilly's love? And he goes, no. He goes, I used Longclaw, Valerian Steel. He goes, what is there, like two other swords in the, left in the kingdom and, and not going to cut it? We're, we're kind of screwed, Sam. And Sam is inappropriate. He says, well, speaking of that, and he goes, I'm the first Lord Commander to sacrifice the lives to save wildlings. He goes, I'm the most hated man in Castle Black. And Sam's like, you're a good guy, though. You, you're friends with me. And they say, here's to us, long may, I, I can't, long may they sneer, I think. And the same say, hey, boy, hey, hey, well, hey, you mind if I ask you something? He goes, this situation here is pretty bad for Gilly and the baby. He goes, well, why don't you, you send me to Old Town to be a maester? And he, he says, you're my only friend here, Sam. And he goes, well, you got Ed, that the podcast guy calls Ned, but it's Ed. And he goes, he, Sam, John's like, that guy's the most crabby. He goes, he's crabby. And Sam's like, I need training to be a maester. Plus, he goes, bad things are going to happen to Gilly and the baby, and I need to protect them at all costs. And he goes, I'd rather see a thousand white walkers than see them hurt. He says, a nice, nice little moment. He says, well, you're going to have to swim, swear off women. He says, they're going to make you swear off women. And Sam gets all smooth. He's like, oh, they'll try. Oh, boy, oh, boy. And uh, they get, they both, John just has this um, look. He says, Sam. And he says, weren't you beaten up? And Sam's like, very carefully, my Lord, com- Lord Commander. And John says, with glee in his face, but but with a heavy heart, he says, well, I'm glad the end of the world's working out for somebody. And Sam says, don't worry, I'll come back. And John says, to your return. So then we have a little shot of Sam and Gilly, and they're in a car- uh, uh, a wagon. I get these things mixed up, too. Wagons, carriages. But they're in one of those things. Doesn't have a roof. But they wave goodbye and John kind of watches them go. And then the next thing you know, you got Stannis marching. You got Wind on the banners. He's at the head of the pack, though. I'm like, is he? One thing you can say about him. Oh, no, you can't say he has courage because he's a coward. But uh, he's at the head. He's brave, I guess you'd say. Maybe he doesn't have courage. It's misty and it's dark out. But there in the distance, you see Winterfell. And then we cut to Winterfell, and they're prepping for battle, clearly. And Sansa uses a wine, uh, Sansa uses one of those, oh, corkscrew, that's what it's called. A wine thingamajiggy is is a corkscrew, she breaks out of her room. And she's again, and I don't know if Sansa's uh, cast in one of the Star Wars movies, but she seems like the most Star Wars. She's very good in a hood. Good in a hood, I guess is. A, but I didn't even I didn't think of that ahead of time. But Sansa is good in a hood, and she looks good, and she moves. She she's she could play Lord of the Rings twelve. She could be an elf. But she 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 moves through through the castle. She's holding the candle, gripping the candle in her hand. 
And then the next scene is Podrick. He's in the woods. He's got a rabbit. He's got some uh, firewood. And then he sees Stannis' arm, and he runs off, drops the rabbit, drops the, the firewood. And then we have Brienne watching uh, Winterfell. Now she's outside. The last time we saw them, it seemed like they were in an inn, which had a similar view. But now they're out outside watching. So I would have liked to see that scene of how they got kicked out of the inn. And, you know, Brienne trying to, well, I know we're not paying, we'll pay you after I have my vengeance and and rescue, you know, or rescue. But Bri- Brienne's holding her vigil, but I don't know what a vigil is if it's daytime or like this would be dusk, I'd say a dusk vigil. I guess vigils start at dusk. So I don't know what she was doing before, but she started her vigil from her daytime vigil. And Patrick's like, my lady, Lord Stannis is coming. And she says, he positive. He said, yeah, flaming heart banners. I can't, couldn't forget them from the black water. And this beating music starts to play. And Brienne, like a lot of our favorite characters, you know, can't seem to get it right. And she doesn't even, she says, oh, Stannis, all right, well, I'm out. And then this only way you could do it is that as soon as she leaves, the candle, Sansa lights that candle. And, you know, be honest, probably the best thing for Sansa, because one, one Brian can't get things right, but two, you know, as we'll find out later, we really, we need another hero now. But as the music beats, Sansa climbs the tower. You know, Brian breaks off, as I said, I'm rereading my notes, candle lights. And then we cut to Stannis. He's like planting. He's saying, "Dig a trench here, dig a trench there. Let's get a foraging party going. I know foraging's hot; it's popular trend. But you know, let's try it out here. Let's do some foraging." And the the same guy, the original bad news bear, this guy, he says, uh, "There's not going to be a siege, boss." And Stannis says, why? He says, uh, can't you hear the uh, horse uh, horse hooves pounding? And then we see cavalry, cal- that's another word I have a hard time with, cavalry coming. And Stannis turns again, a little details. He purses his lips in a wonderful way. And he looks down, pulls his sword, music starts up. And he's surrounded, and then we see Sansa in her tower, uh, watching in kind of horror. Uh, her bre- her shallow breathing comes up again, and then Sansa's like runs. She takes her life in her own hand. You know, she takes control of her life. And the next scene is like the aftermath of the battle, and we see Stannis there with a bunch of his sh- soldiers that didn't make it, and he just climbs to his feet. He's clearly injured. He's limping, barely can move. And then these two men come, uh, you know, Bolton boys. I said, Jesus, is that... I wonder if the Bolton boys would tour with the Bacon brothers. Alliteration, that was a word I forgot earlier. Bolton boys and the Bacon brothers, bagosh. I think the alliteration was from the intro. But Stannis turns to these men and they start to battle... He takes a wound to his leg, but then he takes the guys out. But he, he, he stumbles. 
he falls against a tree and he actually growls, which was, uh, I said, well, Stannis growled. And then we hear a slow approach of, of footsteps. And he says, uh, Bolton have women fighting for him? And we say, well, it's, it's, and she says, I don't fight for the Boltons. I'm Brienne of Tarth. That was King Guard to Renly Baratheon. I was there when he was murdered by a shadow with your face. And she says, you murdered him with blood magic. And he says, I did. And she says, in the name of Renly, first, you know, the king, Andals, first men, seven kingdoms, protector of the realm, I, Brienne of Tarth, sentence you to death. And she says, uh, do you have any last words? And this is, he says, go on, do your duty. And they said, wait, Stannis, was that your last words? Or you were skipping your last words? And, and Brienne even seemed like a little bit uh, confused by it. And Stannis has just got this ashamed, she, she's got this ashamed kind of look in his, let's see, let me run through Stannis's looks. First, he's ashamed or shocked or afraid. I couldn't figure it out. But then he seems resigned. His lips were very dry. And he kind of moves his mouth, and then Brienne takes him out. And then our next scene is Ramsay. He's in, like, post-battle ecstasy and glory. And he says, let's head back. My wife must be lonely. And I said, oh, wait, there is somebody I dislike much more than Stannis. R Ramsay. And then we cut to Sansa. And she's climbing the steps, she's turning, she's she's ducking, she's dodging, and she turns back again, she goes around a corner, and there's Reek and the, uh, the crazy woman, I forgot her name, one of Ren, Renly's, Ren, Ramsey, not Renly, one of Ramsey's, uh, uh, I guess, girlfriends. And she's got this bow trained on Sansa. And Sansa just stands brave. She's like, I'll take you back to your chamber. And Reek's like, yeah, I sold you out. Let's go back. And she says, I know what, Ra you know, I know Ramsey's a psychopath. You know, I'm not going back with him. You'll have to take me out. And she's like, we're not going to take you out. We're going to make sure we can take you back, you know, so he can... She's like, you know, I have a twisted, twisted, it's a twisted situation. And she's like, so I'm going to make sure you go back and you can still give birth to his babies so that he'll be warden of the north. And Sansa's like, didn't you get the memo about Roos's baby is going to be a boy? And she, she, Sansa just says, you know, she, she's resolute, I would say. And so the woman's like, all right, I'll take action. And then Reek does it. He finally was like, oh, boy, finally, Reek. Finally, Theon does something and re saves Sansa. And then as soon as he's like, he's like, oh, boy. And then the horn blows, and they're like, open the gate. And Reek's like, oh, boy, he's back. We got to get the heck out of here. I guess the I guess he's back to Theon. See, Reekon. That, was that Reon? Oh, that's Levon. Maybe he's Levon from, uh, Levon's at a bond of man of He did it out of Anyway, so they go and they do a little snow jump, and it's a total cliff. It's actually not a cliffhanger. It's a, uh, 
castle wall hanger because we say, oh boy, what happened to them? Was there enough snow to break their fall? We we won't know for uh, 11 months, 10 months. So in the next scene we have, uh, we said, geez, what is this, the evil trifecta? We have uh, Marin, Sir Marin, or as Arya used to say back when she was just a young girl, Sir Marin, Sir Marin. Uh, but he's looking down, he slowly looks up, and we see his sunken, empty eyes, and we learn what a horrible person he is. And he's he's dealing with these these young women, these girls, they're not even young women. But one is defiant, and her hair's over her eyes. And I say, well, Jesus, is that Arya? But then she parts her hair, and it's a, it's not. And so for they got me on this. So I said, well, it's not Arya. I fell for that. But then she takes the mask off. Because I thought, I was like, oh, Arya's going to charge in now. And then she takes the mask off, and Arya finally finishes uh, ends Sir Marin's life. Uh, she blinds him first, which will be paid off in a, in a minute. But as he, let's see, what did she, what did she say? She said, oh, you were the first person on my list, you know, you know, for taking out Cyril Farrell, the guy with the curly hair, the cool guy. She goes, you remember him? No, probably not. She said, I've gotten a few others. Many face gods beat me to a couple, but I'm glad you, you got left for me. She goes, do you even know who I am? And he, he he's mumbling, and she says, I can't hear you. She goes, you know who I am. I'm Arya Stark. Important. These are important lines. She says, I'm Arya Stark. Do you know who you are? You're no one. You're nothing. And then that's the end of that scene. And then Arya enters the mask, the big mask chamber, presumably, well, no, I guess not presumably, under the, the house of the black and white, which they must have a different um, situation than uh, was that, what's that place with Venice? Because I said, geez, that's a pretty deep basement, and the Venice would probably be flooded because I know they have, like, flooding problems. So they must have more uh, bedrock in uh, Bravos, Bravos bedrock, Bravosi bedrock. Tonight at my bar, Bravosi bedrock, the Bacon Brothers and the Bolton Brothers, bagosh. But uh, Arya enters the mask chamber, and I noticed that the candles at the bases of the pillars, they were burning, they were in chalices, I think. And I said, huh, I said, geez, I'm glad I don't have that job to frickin' make check on those candles. They said, that would be Sisyphean, you know, that would be horribly boring. But Arya tries to sneak the mask she took back on the thing, like, you know, return to, you know, oh, I never wore this. I'm just returning it to the store here. And she turns around, she's busted. And Jacques and he says, that girl's taking a life the wrong life. And then the bow arms is there, old bow arms. And she says, I was right about her. And he says, yeah, you were. She says, you're not ready. Not at all. And she grabs Arya. And I say, the man's life wasn't yours to take a, 
the girl stole from the many-faced gods. This is payback, you know, or like uh, from when we first met Yakin. And he says, now a, death is, a, de a debt is owed. Only death can pay for life. And he ho holds out a vial to her, but then he drinks it. And then things get really confusing. Like a super mask reveal. Then a double Yakin, where Bow Arms turns into Yakin. And she says, what are you crying about? First the girl says that, and Arya says, uh, he's my friend. And he says, uh, no, he wasn't. And you listen to him. And then it's yeah, he says, uh, he was no one. And then Arya's like, what? And he says, no one at all. Just as a girl should have been before she took a, stole a face. The faces are for no one. And to someone, the faces are as good as poison. And then Arya loses her sight. And she's like, what's happening? What's happening? And then if we haven't got enough alliteration this episode, we have a departure, Dorn departure. Uh, and as a matter of fact, it's a deadly Dorn departure. Uh, I just only have three Ds. So we have some friendly kisses goodbye. And then Brian gets a little bit of a dirty kiss. And then his ship, ship sail, the ship sails off. And then we're down in the, you know, the place below deck where the rich people get to go. And Michelle's looking at her little necklace. And she's sitting and Jamie's standing. And they have this interesting conversation. So try not to lose it. She says, I won't. And he's like, yeah, you're kind of lucky. This Tristan guy doesn't seem half bad. And you guys are seem like you're actually in love. That never happens. And she's like, hey, think about, what do you think mom will do? And she's like, well, or Jamie's like, you know, if you're happy, maybe you'll be happy. She's like, really? And he's like, well, we'll see. And she's like, your mom really doesn't like anybody but you kids. And Michelle says, she likes you. Hint, hint, honesty time. And Jamie, in the lighting under there, he's got like this... Uh, he even has, like, re reflection of water on his face. If he didn't have enough going for him, he gets, a, like, a water reflection shot. But he says, I'm not so sure your mom likes me. And he goes, listen, I was thinking about being honest, but it's really hard being honest. I've been trying to work up the courage to tell you some stuff, complicated stuff. You know, now that you've been in the big, big, big world... Almost like he wants to tell her, like, he goes, remember Fievel? I told you about Fievel, the American tale. And she goes, Dad, there's no Fievel in, the, in Westeros. And he goes, oh, you called me Dad. I don't know, that's not exactly how it happened, but she was. he's like, oh, she saved him from having to be honest. And she's like, she's like uh, I know you're my dad. I know you and Mom. I, I, I don't get it. But, you know, I'm cool with it. And she's like, I kind of knew all along. And to be honest, I'm glad you're my father. You know, you're cool. You're handsome. My friends love you. Your hair looks like it's always freshly cut. And then she passes away. She was poisoned. Let me see if it would on other notes. Water reflecting. There's one other thing. Jamie was sitting at one point talking to her. And his gold hand was out. That's always a nice touch uh, to give him a little bit of awkwardness. Uh, 
his, his, his stiff gold hand. And the next shot's from the seashore or the dockside. Or no, yeah, seashore, seawall. And Ellie Sand is watching, and, and the girl, her girl, and the, her daughters are staring off. Are they, are they her daughters or just, I don't know. But they're all staring off, and then Elia starts to bleed. Her nose and her lips start to bleed. But what what seems like the youngest of the three girls, really nice. She gives her, her her a hanky, her mom a hanky, and her mom like takes the hanky, wipes her face, and then she throws it into the sea. And then she takes a drink. Now I'll tell you, I'm not I'm not the sharpest. Uh, tool and tool shed so the first time I watched it I said okay she's taking herself out and they said what are the da- what are the daughters gonna do but then I re- the second time I watched it I said oh wait no no that's the antidote probably and uh, so I said she she probably took the antidote but uh, again it's not made clear just my guess because you know they were all so calm I think if she was doing some sort of preventative poisoning of herself or self-sacrifice, vengeance, self-sacrifice. The girls might have been crying, maybe, I don't know, you know, losing their mother or their mother figure. And the next scene we have is uh, Tyrion sitting at the top of the stairs, and then you have Dario. We're back, you know, in in the Khaleesi's uh, ruling chamber, and then you have Jorah kind of towards the bottom of the stairs. And uh, Dario's kind of cracking his knuckles, kind of working, fixing some wounds or something. And Tyrion's like, you, you love the Khaleesi, don't you guys? And he says, And he goes, it's hopeless. You know, one of you is a disgraced knight, and the other one of you is a sellsword. He goes, neither one of you is fit for a queen. He goes, but we always want the wrong woman. He really punches that line, you know, from last season. He's still hurting. And Dario says, does he always talk so much? And Jorah just gives a yawn, like, well, I've only been around with him about 40 hours. But, yeah, he talked a lot during those hours. And then uh, Grey Worm and uh, my, my, my sweet interpreter, my formerly sweet interpreter, now, Grey Worm's sweet love, they come in the room, and he's like, Jorah the Andal, what's up? What are you doing here? You got kicked out twice. And uh, his, 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 she's like, well, he saved him. And he goes, as a matter, she goes, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, that guy saved me. But she switches to Valerian, and she says, uh, uh, the little man, and Tyrion says, dwarf. In Valerian, he says, I believe that's the word. My Valerian is a bit nostril. Killer, killer line, because then she comes back with a bit rusty. And then all of a sudden, Jorah's in a hurry. He's like, "Uh, we got to go get my queen. And they're like, let's go north. And uh, Tyrion's like, what do you mean? You're going? And he he goes, I'm going. He goes, no, you're a Lannister. You're not going. And Tyrion's like, are you kidding me, bro? You've been fired twice by her. And, you know, we don't even, they don't even know that he's carrying some communicable disease. 
And George, well, you're, you know, they go back and forth. He's like, well, you told on me. And he goes, don't let, you know, take some personal responsibility. And then Dario plays. He's like, okay, I'm going to be the compromise guy. I'm going to figure out, I'm going to be the problem solver here. He goes, me and Jorah are going to head north. You three stay here. Tyrion, you're good at this kind of stuff. We're going to need you. Masande, I think that's, uh, let me, but he says, we'll go north. Jorah at some point gives Dario this look like, I think Jorah is losing his mind due to the stone disease or whatever it's called, stone stone facery or whatever. Uh, but he says, that's the plan. He goes, Grey Worm, you and Masande are trusted by the people. You know, do do your best work. We're out. And then there is, and I just happened to rewatch this scene three or four times because this this brief moment because it's so wonderful. You have Tyrion, Grey Worm, and Masande. And again, some of these people are saving their best acting for episode ten because they just trade looks of awkwardness without a word. Like, go to that. I didn't write down the time code, but go ahead and rewatch it. All their faces is so good. So, so good. And then we have Tyrion. He's out on the, uh, like, uh, whatever part of the, uh, something where he's got a good view and he's watching uh, uh, Jorah and Dario uh, walk off on their horses. Well, I guess they're not walking, they're horse riding. And then we hear the, the, I wouldn't say they're dulcet tones, nothing like the silver tones tones, but we hear, hello, old friend. And then we see Varys, the the spider, his hands are uh, wrapped up. I said, is his hands in like a pocket or a cape? I think it was a cape. And he said, I thought we were friends, and then you ditched me. And then Tyrion's like, I said, how'd you find me? And he said, the birds, you know, they, they tell me if you listen. And he goes, Varys says, you're already in with the mother of dragons, huh? And he goes, well, so far so good. He goes, now the heroes are off and I got to sit back here and run this city. Any advice? Varys says, information, buddy. Strengths and weaknesses of your enemy. You need to learn who's your friend and who's your enemy pretending to be your friend. And Tyrion says, uh, if only I knew somebody with a network of spies. And Varys says, well, if only a grand old city choking on violence, corruption, and deceit. Who could manage, a, you know, such a, a operation? And they say, I did miss you. He says, oh, I know. That's such a sweet little, it was a sweet little scene. And then we have the good craggy mountains. Craggy green, uh, green Scottish Highland level situation, and the Khaleesi's up there with Drogon, and it's like his uh, all these uh, bones, and it's tough to tell: is Drogon injured? Does it feverish or just stubborn? And Khaleesi tries to mount him. We get some slapstick, like a bad dog. He bucks her off right into this muddy pile of bones, and then he starts ignoring her, just like a a grouchy dog. And she's like, well, if you're, we're not going anywhere, I'm going to, she's like, can we go? And he puts his head down, nope. And she says, well, I guess I'll go get some food. She says, well, I guess I'll go get some food. And then we have Khaleesi next, walking on the side of the hill. 
And then she hears a horse. We see one horse guy with a ponytail. And then she turns, and then there's three more dudes with curved swords. And she drops her ring. I said, I, said, I wish I had a brain for detail. And then there's thousands of yelling horsemen circling her. And I said, is this the Kalasar? And I said, well, what is a Kalasar? I said, well, she said, I hope this is a good... And I said, I, I think this one's good news, maybe. And next up is probably, I don't see what people are talking about, cause I don't, but I said, I bet everybody's talking about this. We get Cersei, she's curled up in a cell against a wall. Water's dripping. Nurse Ratchet, the nun, comes in. And Cersei kind of whimpers. She says, confess. And Cersei whimpers again. She says, confess. And Cersei looks at her. And then the next scene, we have Cersei confessing on her knees. And she's like, oh, I want absolution. And she says, a crone came to me with the lamp held high. And by its holy light, he's like, are you going to confess? And she's like, once I've confessed, am I going to be free? He says, well, we'll deal with one step at a time. She says, well, the mother have mercy then. She goes, you know, I had sex outside of my marriage. And he's like, who? And she's like, Lancel. And he's like, huh. And she's like, you know, I was lonely and afraid. He's like, you were married. And she's like, my my husband, he's like, your, her, his sins don't pardon your own. And then she, she, she's still defiant. She's still, he says, what else? She's like, nothing else. That's it. Oh, uh, saving orphans. Is that a sin? And he says, are you sure you're not speaking any falsehoods? And she says, yeah, I promise not to get you next season. And he says, uh, okay. And he goes, there's a lot of more rumors about you. And she goes, they're a lie. You know, she's is from Stannis Baratheon, you know, people trying to poison people against me. And she says, that filth, not one shred of truth. And she says, I deny, he says, good. But they're terrible charges, so... You know, we'll have to flush him out. You know, give, give as long as you're honest, you'll, you'll get off. And she says, what do you mean? He says, a trial. And she goes, she, she's like, uh, well, I thought I fooled you. You know, I confessed. And he says to one thing, he goes, you know, others you didn't. He goes, we got to figure this out. And she says, okay, well, I keep trying it. She goes, I bow to your wisdom, sir. But if I might beg for one drop of the mother's mercy. She says, I haven't seen my son in so long. Can I see him? And he says, you, you've taken the first path. You know, I'll, I'll permit you to return to the Red Keep. And she says, okay, I'll just get out of here then. Thank you. She said, mother, mother's pretty merciful. You know, I think he says, it's mother, you know, thank the mother. And she says, uh, Will, I swear it. And she says, okay, I'm, I'm going to go. He goes, oh, yeah, after your atonement. And she cries in there. You, and I said, man, she is good. And I said, dude, are you buying this? And then she says, uh, her, her look when she says atonement, though, she says atonement. And then things get, get you know, get dark again. Like they wa they wash Cersei and not, not at all in a gentle way. As she's being watched, she locks eyes with that, uh, that that mean nun. And they cut off her hair again. They're not very gentle about that. 
the nun kind of circles Cersei, and the reins of Castamere start to play in this uh, a haunting, haunting tune. And Cersei even has a cut on her head. And they lead her down from the sept. She's wearing one of those burlap sacks. And the, uh, what's his name? The High Sparrow, he says, A sinner comes before you, Cersei of House Lannister, widow of King Robert. She's fornicated and lied. But she's asked for forgiveness. Uh, to demonstrate that, she's going to cast aside all pride, artifice, and present herself as a god to made her to you good people, he says. Oh, boy. She got a solemn heart, shorn of secrets and hair, naked before the eyes of God's men to make her atonement. And at this point, Cersei's face is still pretty proud and defiant. And then the sparrow's face, uh, I couldn't, again, his, his acting's so good. I said, Jesus, again, it leaves, oh, I said, what is his face saying? Is he challenging her or questioning or just waiting? And then they strip Cersei down, and she enters this abusive, abusive crowd. This long, long scene. And the whole time, the nun says, shame, shame. And then she rings a handbell. And I said, oh, boy, man, it, it gave me, it, it was painful. And I dealt with nuns in my day. And it gets, it, get, keeps, it gets, keeps getting worse and worse and more and more abusive, and her feet are bleeding, and then there's just that incessant chanting, shame, shame, with the bell. At one point, when the abuse became just so intense, and the, the constant shame, shame, she pauses going down these stairs, and she just pauses broken going down these stairs. And uh, she just looked broken at that point, like really broken. I was like, oh, boy. And then a little bit further along, she falls down. And she looks up at the keep, and she rises up. And you see her feet are bleeding. And you see the nun's face, and it was even more disturbing. She seemed to have almost, the nun seemed to have a gleeful look on her face. And then Cersei finally struggles her way to get to, like, a side entrance of the gate. And there's gold cloaks and Lannister soldiers there. And she just weeps with release and uh, relief, I guess, release. And then uh, more reigns of Casimir start playing. And uh, she goes through the door, and Sir Kevin's there. Uh, Maester... Not Amon, the maester that I think probably smells. He looks actually cleaner than normal. And he's kind of there, blubbering maester, that's what I call him. He's the most, Clyburn's there, he's the most caring. He wraps her up in a cloak and, and kind of holds her. And he says, your grace, it's good to have you back. He says, come on, come on inside. You know, I got to take a look at your feet and take care of you. And, you know, for a mad, evil scientist, I like Clyburn. He he plays, you know, I'm a big evil scientist fan, so it's it's almost like too good to be true that you, when you have an evil scientist or evil, you say, Jesus, he goes, let me introduce you to my latest, uh, my first uh, successful experiment. Let me present the uh, newest member of the Kingsguard. It was, yeah, he's a little blue in his face, but uh, if it pleases you, he's taking a vow of silence. 
He swore not to speak until all his grace's enemies are dead and evil has been driven from the realm. And then he scoops her up in his arms and we say, okay, that's, uh, that's Sir Gregor the Gregor. And as he carries her off, we see Cersei's face change again. And you say, okay, Cersei, you know, Cersei, Cersei, we lo- love to be in love with out of fear and strange feelings is back because she, she, her face seemed to change again. She was, the wheels were, it seemed like they were churning. And then we had, we cut to the north, to winter, uh, to the Castle Black, and Davos and Jon Snow are arguing. Who helped who? Uh, Davos is cheering for, you know, he does the old Stan, S-T-A-N-N-I-S, Stannis. And then Stannis says, uh, you know, or Jon Snow says, we don't even have enough men to help. You know, I already told him that. He goes, well, what about the, uh, wildlings and he says no and then they go open the gates second time this episode open the gates and it's uh, the red woman and they run down to her and she actually she looks pretty sad she she looks sad and they're like stannis and then she she doesn't answer and then uh davos says what about princess shireen and he already knows the answer. And she gives him this look of, like, total defeat and sadness, I think. i never seen anything like it on her. And then we have John. He's reading, like, r- reports that came in on Ravens. And it seems like it's bad news. He's just throwing them aside. And then he just has this thinking. He kicks, He leans back. He's thinking. And he looks a little bit beaten. I remember, said, kill the boy, Jon Snow. The potato kid rolls in. And I gotta tell you, I never saw this coming. I knew the potato kid was up to no good. But I figured, I just, and this is what I love about Game of Thrones, is uh, the journey it takes you on, the unexpected journey. You know, this was so much more, which, I, don't, I don't know. It's, 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 if you know where you're going. But I didn't know where I was going. I said, thank you, boys. For 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 this emotional whatever you want to call it, but the potato kid comes in. He says, uh, "Hey, John, we got your somebody who knows where your uncle Benjen is." And John's like, "Really?" And he says, "No, totally, really, totally, Uncle Benjen." He goes, "You like potatoes? We got potatoes down there too." And he says, uh, "Even the Elster's like, we got this guy knows where your uncle Benjen is." He's like, "Yeah, it could be a lion." He's like, "Yeah, we'll figure it out over there." And then Sir Alistair leads him to a sign that says traitor. And then they say for the watch, and each guy, they they take out Jon Snow. And then the last person is the potato kid, Ollie. And he does this slow, poisoned goodbye to Sam, I mean, with his face. And John, all John can say is like this, uh, Ollie, like in total disbelief. And this terribly sad music starts to play. And Jon Snow falls into the snow, motionless. Ollie almost cries. He's fighting back his tears. And then we close on Jon's face. His eyes are open. And there's this, like, slow, like, tinty-type music. I don't know what tinty sounds like. But that tintly, tintly. Music, and as as we say goodbye to Jon Snow, 
we fade to black and we say goodbye to Castle Black in the season. And, uh, you know, not a, this was a, uh, uh, the, the final third of the season was uh, very intense, uh, shocking at times. But for me, at least, as someone that said I can't read the books because I like to be shocked by the show, uh, incredibly, incredibly wonderful storytelling, wonderful acting, and his production, just amazing. That show, I can't believe it's been the, it's the fifth season, and I can't believe they can maintain this quality. And and then it's someone on Periscope, Libby on Periscope, just let me know. And now no one knows what's going to happen. So we're, we're all, and I say, well, but they better, I mean, it better come out because, uh, so what a season, you know, and, and, uh, and yeah, so let's, uh, let's get on with the show. All right. So what are we, what are we going to talk about tonight? We're going to talk about a couple different things about icicles. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, that jump that Sansa and Reek took, it reminded me, uh, uh, two major movie moments you might have missed. Both buddy movies. I don't know if Sansa and Reek or Sian are buddies, but it reminded me of two classics. So we're going to talk a little bit about Thelma and Louise and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And then we're going to go through... It's been a while since we've had a boring list, so we're going to go through a boring list uh, because of candy necklaces. And that should be it. All right, so those icicles at the beginning of the episode, Mother's Mercy, were very stri- a striking image. And then the uh, uh, joy, it was, the, it was like Christmas joy of the red woman behind the uh, icicles. And you said, Jesus, I said to myself, I don't really know much about icicles. You know, watch out for them. Uh, good to suck on, but then you wonder what kind of chemicals you're, you know. I know there's an icicle-related, like a mystery riddle. Uh, said something with a pink glass of pink water. So I said, let's do, instead of doing due diligence on icicles, let's just do what we can with, you know, diligence, do due diligence. But believe it or not, there was an article that came out over here on CBS News just recently, June 16th, 2015, if you take my word for it. And the article's by Michael Casey. It says, water on Mars? More like icicles, new study says. And Mike, Mr. Casey says, you know, I'll try to paraphrase from the article. And, you know, he says, Mars used to be cold and icy like three, four billion years ago. Oh, no, he says Mars actually might have been cold and icy three or four billion years ago, rather than a nice warm planet. And that's a study that comes out of AGU's Journal of Geophysical Research. And it says they used a 3D climate model, and the study they conducted found a scenario of a frigid planet where water was locked in ice and temperatures averages minus, to average minus 54 degrees. That made sense in the hypothesis that Mars was once warm and wet. Based about what they know about Mars's history of the sun and the tilt of Mars, tilt of Mars's axis. You know, Mars only gets, according to article, 43% of the solar energy Earth does. 
And three billion years ago, our sun was uh, 25% dimmer than it was today. So they think it's a, it would have been a cold and inhospitable place. And that's where's Robin Wordsworth. And she's the lead, the study's lead author from Harvard Paulson School of Engineering and Applied Science. She's like, it's less Florida, more Alaska, probably even Antarctica. You know, most of the time cold, and maybe if a, a volcano or a meteor strike might warm things up. And this better explains the Martian, Mar, Martian surface, which puzzled scientists when they thought Mars w- would have been warm every once in a while. Now, if the Martian axis had an extreme h- tilt, it would have pointed the planet's poles at the sun and driven the ice to the equator, where water drainage and erosion features are fe- feature, you know, where you see those things today. And under the earlier atmosphere, which might have been thicker in the colder scenario, the highland regions at the equator get colder and the northern regions get warmer. It's called the uh, icy highlands effect, and it even made some of the peaks in the snow-covered mountains of Earth. Now, I wonder back to the warm-wet model, rain on Mars was greatest in an area called Arabia, and the Hellas Basin in the west and south areas where few water drainage features are found. And Wordsworth says she's trying to keep an open mind about it, and there's still work to be done. But she thinks this cold, icy scenario matches the surface erosion more closely. And this is the latest study to try to understand water on Mars, something that was only discovered in 2013. And can it sustain life? And, you know, it was still debated by scientists this long-standing question of whether water existed and for how long. And there's no shortage of studies looking into water on Mars. You know, there was one study recently this year said glaciers were buried under underground with enough water for the planet. Another said Mars had more water than the Arctic Ocean. But proving a cold climate on early Mars led to the features seen today. It's a big question, according to Bethany Elman, a planetary scientist at California Institute of Technology. And she is also at NASA, 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 and also NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California. And she wasn't involved in the study. Now, the new paper does answer part of the question, showing that locations with snow accumulation in the cold and icy scenario correspond to the valley, valley locations we see today, and further that the cold and icy early Mars shows that some ice melting ice would occur. Uh, we know that there were lakes on ancient Mars, but questions of how long were they there, were they persistent or episodic, and how does this valley network, did it demand rain or is it is snow and ice melt sufficient? Wordsworth agrees that there's probably water on Mars at some point, but she thinks that it probably was, it could have been liquid water uh, flowing on Mars' surface. But the question is not if there was liquid water, but for how long and how warm was the water? And I guess there's two possibilities, warm and wet like Earth today, or cold and icy with occasional warm periods. And what, how do the studies fare about life on the planet? Wordsworth says it doesn't rule out the possibility of life. 
But maybe scientists should look at a different way of figuring that out. Because if if Mars was really cold and icy, it would have been inhospitable. So life would have probably gone on uh, uh, subsurface life. But, you know, he said, uh, Wordsworth says, you know, on Earth today, even in places, you know, in like Antarctica, we got microbes flourishing in the subsurface. So maybe let's start looking at the subsurface. So that's a little article by Michael Casey. Yeah, well, the Mars talk is interesting, but it didn't really answer any questions I had. It's like, uh, what's up with those icicles, you know? So I went over to Live Science, like Google search, and Live Science came up, which we've used before. And that's LiveScience.com. And there was an icicle article from October 9, 2006, Icicle Formation Mystery Solved. That's by Corey Binns. And Corey says, scientists have long understood, you know, how snowflakes get their shapes, but icicles are a wintry wonder. But a solution has emerged in a cave. In 2005, researchers determined that stalactite, 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 well, the things, stalactites are the ones on the bottom, I guess, stalactite, stalactites, stal. Stalocytes. Stalocytes? Anyway, the long carriage structures at the ceilings of caves have a, a structure that can be determined by a simple, or can be described by a simple mathematical equation. And oddly, the math applies to icicles. And they say it's an unexpected result. Although stalactites and icicles have similar shapes, they don't have any physics in common. Icicles grow from heat diffusion and rising warm air. While the cave thingamajiggies rely on the diffusion of carbon dioxide gas to grow. And so they didn't expect this math to match up with both of them. According to mathematician and physicist Ray Goldstein of the University of Cambridge in the UK... And it, but it really is the same shape apart from the bumps and wiggles, Goldstein confirms. Or Goldstein says it confirms what you know you can see. Uh, icy ingredients, icicles typically form on days when the outdoor air temperature is sub-freezing, but some sh- sunshine warms and melts the snow and ice. And as it drips off the roof, a water droplet freezes when it loses its heat to the air. An icicle start, starts with a few frozen droplets. And when it reaches a certain size, drops begin to drip along the side of the structure. And water will run down the sides of the formation in an evenly thin film and freeze on the way down, according to Martin Short from the University of Arizona. A different Martin Short, I'm assuming, who was part of the study team. Uh, this sort of freezing film, film of water is what if it, uh, leads to the icicle shape. And they say heat at work. The thin fluid layer on the surface of an icicle gives off heat that warms the air around it through a process called conduction. As warm air rises, it removes heat from the liquid layer and causes it to freeze, quoting. Here's the main point. The buffer of heated air is widest at the top of the icicle where conduction is slowest. Uh, The buoyant air layer is really the most important factor in determining the icicle's shape, short told live science. Imagine a warm air 
Imagine the warm air as a blanket of differing thickness. The thinner part allows more heat to escape from the tip area than the thick part of the blanket at the base. So the tip grows faster than the base, making the icicle pointy. And the research was based on icicle photographs, but they're going to test it out and grow icicles in the lab and film their growth. So that was a little uh, live science from Corey Bins about icicles. So as I said in the intro, the jump of Sansa Sian Rian Rikon. I said, geez, that's a little bit like uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And then I kind of thought about the hand-holding at the end of Selma Louise. And I, 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 Selma and Louise, I watched the movie when it, a long time ago. But then for some reason, I don't know who pointed me towards the screenplay. They said, geez, if you're trying to figure out how to write a screenplay, this is maybe one you should check out. And I probably read the, the Selma Louise screenplay, I don't know how many times. And then I probably rewatched the movie, but then once I read it, I said, geez, I get them kind of, they become one thing in my mind. But instead of my opinions, on, there's a, I found an NPR story uh, from May 19th, 2011, looking back at Selma Louise 20 years later. It's from All Things Considered. And, and I'll probably be paraphrasing and quoting from this All Things Considered transcript or whatever they have on their website, and I'll link to it in the show notes. So 20 years ago that month in 2011, two women tore across the American West in a 66 Thunderbird and into movie history. Thelma and Louise weren't just liberated in a man's world. They were fighting mad. And unlike anything that Hollywood had seen before it, in the end of the cultural lexicon, today still women roar with laughter and say, maybe we're having a Thelma and Louise moment. Spoiler alert for the uninitiated. It starts out with two friends played by Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon as they go for a weekend away. But then they run into some trouble at a roadside bar when Louise catches this guy attacking Thelma. And they doubt the authorities are going to believe their side of the story, so they flee. Now, the movie, the woman who wrote this wonderful screenplay is Callie Corey, and I hope I get in the name correctly. This is her first produced script when, when she wrote, uh, or she hadn't had a produced script since before she wrote Thelma and Louise. And she thought about directing herself, but then Ridley Scott from Alien Blade Runner was interested. And then Davis and Sarandon signed on. And Curry ended up winning a, a Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. But she tells uh, Michelle Norris in, a, in the report, a lot of people didn't get Thelma and Louise when they were shopping around. You know, people were writing up notes, you know, from different studios and stuff, and they said a lot of it was 180 degrees from the attention of the story she had, the tone, everything. And for Corey, nailing the tone meant grasping that even though progress had been made in 1991, and it still today, women still face huge struggles. And Selma Lee's was she, she felt like a statement about what breaking free might look like, a fantasy that was funny, gritty, violent, and uh, realistic. Quoting from the article, quoting, 
it wasn't just personal experience so much as it was a way about looking as much as it was a feeling about the way things were in the world, she says. And looking around and seeing, supposedly women are making all these great strides towards equality, but let's be honest, it's still very much a man's world. And you're still looked at through a very narrow filter. And if you step out of line, the punishment is severe. And this movie speaks to the feeling that I think women have of not being looked at as 100% whole human beings. And this is one that many people shared with, with Corey. And uh, they still keep sharing. As she says, she's here, her lots of visceral, visceral stories uh, that they relate to seeing the movie or something in their lives that related to the movie. And she's grateful that it resonates the way it does. But it's opened her up to hear a lot of uh, tough stories. But at the same time, there's a universal experience that a lot of women have of having a best friend and one person in the world which they can completely be themselves with. And maybe the outside doesn't world doesn't really get all the way. It's their world. Each of the male, each of the male characters in the film is a different version of that guy. Uh, disappointing in some way, perhaps even disgusting. It's Elma's dim, restrictive husband, played by Christopher McDonald. Harvey Keitel's relentless but sympathetic cop. A charismatic thief, played by Brad Pitt. Uh, the guy that attacked Thelma, uh, Harlan, who starts out just asking the women to dance. Uh, every film, even especially a road movie, needs a villain, so Harlan was that. And then the husband was also, I mean, in terms of her having to ask to go on a trip, not having control of any money or any stuff. Uh, the kind of misogyny... Uh, that was so commonplace as to not even be recognizable. And in some ways, she thinks that's why men took exception to it, because it was being shown from a female point of view, and therefore you could see what it was like on the other side, and, and that's why maybe men, men took exception to it. Uh, but not all men, by the way. If, you, if, if she had a nickel for every man who loved the movie, she'd have a mansion of nickels. And there are millions of men who enjoyed it just as much as she did writing it, because it's an outlaw movie, and people love outlaw movies. Uh, but the movie, one of the other movies, one of the other reasons the movie became famous was for its ending as a cliche busting. In the closing scene, the women decide not to face justice, but to just keep going, gunning the T-Bird over the edge of the Grand Canyon into a soaring freeze frame. Uh, this, this, uh, this scene played out exactly as she imagined it. Uh, quote, to me, the end of the movie was never meant to be literal. They drive off a cliff and die kind of moment. It was a way of saying that this was a world in which they didn't believe that there was a possibility of justice for them. This still plays true for uh, not just women, it seems like, in our current culture, but a lot of other people. Uh, they didn't believe that anyone would ever see their side of it enough to know why they had done what they had done. And that this was a way of letting them go and letting them stay who they were, who they had become. 
so she didn't see it as them taking each other out. And over the years, hearing people talk about it, she, she said, maybe it's a half-empty, half-full water test. Some people say, I'm glad you let him get away, and other people are like, I can't believe you did it. But to her, they got away. And they said, uh, asked her, are you doing anything to celebrate the 20th anniversary? And she said, no, you know, probably spend some time alone with a bottle of wild turkey with a chuck and maybe 30 of my best friends. So that's a little bit about a wonderful film you should check out if you haven't seen it yet, uh, Selma and Louise. And absolutely eerie, uh, the way it just played, um... The intention of the screenwriter plays against the backdrop of the past couple of years uh, in, in, with justice in the U.S. and uh, and people feeling like they don't have a, a you know they feel like they're not represented and you know they're I don't know you know what I mean she she said it much better than me thanks. All right, so another movie that's very famous, very well-known, very well-known actors, or a very well-known writer, who also won uh, Best Screenplay for this movie, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, which has a hugely uh, funny and famous jumping scene. Uh, so let's, let's read a little bit about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It says, 1969, whoa, that's old. American Western film directed by George Hill and written by William Goldman, who also wrote A Princess Bride, I believe, and many other famous movies. It's based loosely on fact it tells the story of a Wild West outlaws, Robert Leroy Parker, uh, known as Butch Cassidy, played by uh, Paul Newman, and his partner, Harry Longbaugh. Or, or I think maybe, I don't know, Sundance Kid, played by Robert Redford, as they migrate to Bolivia while on the run, and they're in search of a you know, better criminal com- career. In 2003, it was selected for preservation by the National Film Registry of the U.S. Library of Congress. We'll skip the plot, though. Uh, uh, production, the world premiere of the movie was in September 69 in uh, New Haven, Connecticut. And it was attended by Paul Newman, Joanne Woodward, Robert Redford, George Roy Hill, William Goldman, and John Foreman. It's a world television premiere. It was 25th Christmas Day, December 1975 on BBC One. Uh, William Goldman first came across the story of Butch Cassidy in the 1950s and researched it on and off for eight years before sitting down to write the screenplay. This is all from Wikipedia, by the way. Goldman later stated, I quote, The whole reason I wrote the thing, there is a famous line of Scott Fitzgerald wrote, who was one of my heroes. There are no second acts in American lives. When I read about Cassidy and Longbaugh and the super posse coming after them, that's phenomenal material. They ran to South America, lived there eight years, and that was what thrilled me. They had a second act. They were more legendary in South America than they had been in the Old West. It's a great story. Two guys and a beautiful woman heading to South America and all that stuff. Just a wonderful piece of material. A development, according to Goldman, when he wrote the first script and sent it out, only one studio wanted it. 
And that was with the proviso, proviso that the two characters did not go to South America. When Goldman protested, the studio had responded, I don't give a shit. All I know is John Wayne doesn't run away. Uh, Goldman rewrote the script, but he didn't change more than a few pages. And then uh, subsequently, every studio wanted it. According to the supplemental material on the Blu-ray, 20th Century Fox uh, paid 400000 double the price uh, they had authorized, the board had authorized for the movie. Sundance was originally offered to Jack Lemmon, who had his company had produced uh, Cool Hand Luke starring Newman. However, uh, Lemmon turned down the role. He didn't like horses and felt he had already done too many characters like that. Uh, critical response. The response of uh, reviewers is favorable. It's got an 89% critical favorable review on Rotten Tomatoes. And Newman and Redford's chemistry was praised, as was the film's charm and humor. Time magazine said the two male stars are afflicted with cinematic schizophrenia. Uh, one moment they're snooey. Did I say that, snooey? Battered remnants of discarded tradition. The next they're low comedians. Uh, they could have been from Batman and Robin episode. Uh, Robert Ebert gave it 2.5 out of 4 stars. He says, starts promising, promises, and pro-. he said, it starts promising, promises. He said, Robert Ebert says, the movie starts promises, and promises, and promises, and promising, promises, and the movie starts promisingly. I can't say promising. It's a tough one. Anybody listening to these bloopers? Uh, Robert Ebert says, you know, the movie starts out pretty good. Uh, where Butch, you know, tries to set his gang right. Then we meet Sundance's girlfriend, and uh, you start to think it's a really good movie. But Ebert thought the movie went downhill from there, and Hill spent a lot of movie money on vacation and kept him in the movie because he didn't want to edit him out. And he says he was too much chasing, and we forgot how well the movie started. He also said the dialogue at the end is so bad, or, you know, we can't believe anything they say. Maybe it was a misguided attempt to copy Bonnie and Clyde. Now, Writers Guild of America ranked this screenplay 11, number 11 of about 101 greatest screenplays. Film earned $15 million in rentals during the first year of release. Uh, box office uh, was over a hundred million. Top grossing film of the year. Third, adjusted for inflation, thirty fourth top grossing film. Top ten for its decade. Uh, due in part to re releases. It won four Academy Awards: Best Cinematography, Best Original Score, Best Music, Song, and Best Writing. It was nominated for Best Director, Best Picture, and Best Sound. It won a lot of British Academy Film Awards. It won, Goldman won the Writers Guild of America Award for Best Screenplay. And so that's just a little bit about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, but check out the part where, you know, watch the movie for the part when they jump. It's funny. And it's just a classic piece of cinema. Uh, so if you we close off the, you know, factual in quotes, <laughs> Uh, part of the last episode of this season with a list. Because it's been a little while since we've done a list. 
And then also, I was like looking up. There's a lot of necklaces in this episode, especially necklaces with uh, liquid in them. And uh, you know, people drinking little vials of it. And I said, "Well, it reminds me of candy necklaces." And I can't say. I said, "Who did someone invent candy? When did candy necklaces start?" And instead, of, I found just like I found the year they started, but it was in a bunch of there was tons of lists about candy timelines, and most of them are from sites that sell candy. And I said, if you can't beat them and you can't join them by eating, can't you know, buying cases of candy, you know, that you don't need. And I said, I don't even know if I like candy. Now. And I said, well, so you know. I said, let's read, let's read a list. What could be more lulling and dulling? So I'm over here at uh, candyfavorites.com. They got a retro candy timeline written by Mr. John Prince. And I don't understand all this, but I'm going to read it. He says, established in 1927. Maybe the retro candy timeline was established in 1927. See many candy company, candy trends come and go. And we're often asked about the history of candy and the current craze for retro candies. Perhaps we could say the fascination with candy, chocolate in particular, first occurred in 1502 when Columbus returned home from his fourth voyage to the Americas. Although he didn't like the bittersweet treat, benefactors in Spain found it fascinating. 500 years later, the love of chocolate continues stronger than ever. Although it might be impossible to present an exact history, this timeline illustrates the candies from the 1800s onwards. As you'll see, many retro candies and their companies have come and gone. But it's interesting to know that 65% of American candy bars have been around for 60, more than 60 years. Enjoy the journey. So it's a pretty long list, so we might just hit the highlights here. But it starts off in 1800, in 1800 so 1847, Oliver Chase uh, made a... The Necco wafer machine, after he made a machine for cutting uh, lozenges. 48, John Curtis uh, created the first branded chewing gum from tree sap called the State of Maine Spruce Gum. Oh, wow, 1854, Whitman's Chocolate hit the scene. 68, Cadbury, Richard and George Cadbury, second generation of Cadbury's, had their first box of Valentine's chocolate. Uh, 79, Thompson chocolate started. 80s, Candy Corn came out with a wonderfully candy candy company. Uh, 93, Milton Hershey went to the Columbian Exposition in Chicago. And watched chocolate being made, and he was so impressed he started buying uh, manufacturing equipment in Germany and shipping it to Pennsylvania. Also, the same year, Wrigley Jr. introduced juicy fruit chewing gum and Wrigley spearmint chewing gum. In 94, Hershey made the first American candy bar, but it wasn't milk chocolate yet. In 96, Leo Hirschfeld introduced Tootsie Rolls, named after his daughter's nickname. In 90, uh, maybe the first batch of peanut brittle was made. In 1900, uh, Milton Hershey created a milk chocolate bar. Also, Clark's gum came out with tea berry gum. Uh... 
This is when the first official NECA wafer discs appear. And that name stands for the New England Confectionery Company. Interesting. What the hell's the O for? Oh, Co. And that same company made Conversation Hearts in O2. And then Brock, 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 is that 04? Emil, Emil, Emil Brock. Uh, that's the candy that's always in, uh, was always in supermarkets. In 05, a squirrel nut zipper came out. And uh, let's see, Spangler candy. I never heard of that, but that's a cool name, Spangler. Uh, Hershey's Kisses in 1906. Chiclets in 1906 or Chiclets. In 08, Hershey had an almond almond chocolate bar. Toblerone, 08. Uh, 1910s. In 11, uh, Mars, Ethel and Frank Mars started their company. 1912, Lifesavers. Uh, Justin Peppermint, five flavor roll, wasn't another 22 years. And uh, 12, the Whitman Sampler debuts. He also had Goo Goo Clusters in 13, Heath Bar in 14, Mary Jane's in 14, The Turtle in 16, Goldenberg Peanut Chews were a World War I energy protein ration in uh, 1917. And 1920, Fannie Mae busted out. Oh, Henry in 20. That was from Williamson Candy Company. Uh, let's see. In 1920, Hollywood Brands created the Double Zero Bar, which became the Zero Bar. Uh, also in 20, Henry Heidi create, created Juju Fruits. Uh, Chuckles were in 21. Hershey's autom- added the flag to the Hershey's Kiss when they automated their systems in 21. H.B. Uh, Reese, uh, that's a sweet name too, H.B. Reese. Reese's Peanut Butter Cup in 1922. In uh, 22, Fox Cross Candy Company, Charleston Chew came out. I used to be a big Charleston Chew, freshman year of high school. 23, Baby, Ru- Baby Ruth. Also in 23, Mounds, uh, Mounds Bar. 23, Milky Way Bar. But 23 is a big year for candy. Is that the end of the World War? Around then, maybe? Uh, 23, Hershey's Kisses was trademarked. Bit of Honey in 24. Dum Dum Lollipops in 24. Yeah, in Akron. Uh, 25, Hershey comes out with Mr. Good Bar. Bit of Honey. Oh, uh, wait. A uh, bit of honey with almonds, 26 milk duds, uh, 28 Heath bars, uh, 28 Admiral Richard Bird heads to Antarctica with 2.5 tons of Necco wafers. Oh, hopefully that boat sank. And then again, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups in 28. So I don't know this. Snickers bar in 1930, 1931 Tootsie Roll Pops, Snickers Almond Crunch in 32. Uh, Red Hots in 32, Three Musketeers in 32, and it was already called M&M's Mars. Uh, Pierre Vandemel, Van Mel, Van Me, Louis Mal, so it's uh, Van Mal, Pierre Van Mal, Peppermint Mentos in Netherlands.
Fifth Avenue Bar uh, was created by Luden from Luden's Cough Drops in 36. Crackle Bar in 38. Uh, first four section Candy Bar, the Sky Bar, came out in 38 by Neko. Archie's Miniatures have been around since 39. Wow. Uh, 1941, this is an interesting tidbit. M&M's Plain Chocolate Candies are introduced during de- because of depressed chocolate sales during the summer months. Uh, 42 to 45, to help maintain wartime morale, women at Whitman's Candy Company ship notes to soldiers in boxes of Whitman chocolate samplers. In 45, M&M Mars changed the formula for the Three Musketeers bar. Uh, 45, Mason Company introduced dots. In 47, it says they introduced mounds, but I thought that was already introduced. Junior Mints in 49, Smarties in 49, uh, Bubblegum, L Bubble Bubblegum, L Bubble Bubblegum Cigars, 49, and Whoppers also, 49, another big year. Rocky Road Candy Bar in 1950, Marshmallow Peeps in 54, Pixie Sticks in 52, and then in 58, uh, candy necklaces, so that's what we're here for. We'll keep going here. Because in 1960s, Starburst come out. Something called Blamo came out in 60. That was the first sugar-free gum. Appleheads and Grapeheads came out in 60. 62, Hershey's Kisses started with uh, multicolor wrappers. Uh, now and Laters also came out in 62. Cadbury Cream Eggs in 63. Sweet Tarts in 63. Wow. It's progressive. Uh, 63, Hershey's bought out uh, H.B. Reese's company for $23 million. 66, Fleer introduced Razzles, first to candy, then a gum. Uh, 66, this is a Campbell's Soup Company acquired a Godiva. 66, the 100 grand bar comes out. Uh, first Sour Fizzy Zots candy, 68. Uh, 70, Snickers Munch Bar. Uh, 70, they doubled the production of uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Laffy Taffy. Oh, that says 1991. Maybe it meant 71, though. Hershey's started Hershey's Chocolate World with theme park in 73. And they also started putting uh, nutritional information on its wrappers. Pop Rocks in 74. Uh, Chuckles, a candy, sponsored Evil Knievel in 74. Jelly Belly, 76. Reaches Crunchy in 76. Golden Almond in 77 from Hershey's. Reese's Pieces in 78. Twix in 79. And the Ring Pop in 79. Quite a time. And then it gets better. 80s. 1980, uh, uh, gummy bears and gummy worms, the first ones in America, American made, were came out then. Big League Chew, uh, 81, the M&M's uh, were on the space shuttle Columbia. 81, after they had already blown up Europe, uh, Skittles hit the U.S. shores. 82, Van Halen banned brown M&M's from the dressing room. 83, Angelo Fragos invents nerds.
uh, 85 Sour Patch Kids. Uh, it came to the U.S. from Europe. Uh, Symphony Bar in 89 from Hershey. In 90, uh, let's see. In 91, Reese's was still the top candy. 92, the Dove Dark Chocolate and Dove Chocolate Milk Bar came out from M&M's Mars. Uh, 93, Miniature Hershey Kisses and White Chocolate Kisses called Hugs. And in 94, uh, Starburst Jelly Beans. And that's all the history of candy we have. If that wasn't sweet enough for you, I don't know what could be. Okay. Okay, come on. Are you ready? I mean, I guess... Can you tell me again what you mean? What, what do you mean after... No, no, we can't talk about that right now because we have to record. This is a, when you say you don't know, I need to know. No, you, everything's gonna be fine. Whatever. I don't. I don't know when the next season's gonna pick up, like time-wise. So, it's gonna be fine because this machine's magical, and it fixes every problem. And maybe even the pet problems of the past. So don't worry one... Okay, Podman, I will... Do... Oh, you, oh, you know what I forgot to tell you? Is uh, Pyramid Base called? The real Pyramid Base from my world. And they said, the next time I bring you here, they would like to train you to be actual spaceman. Oh, 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 goodness. Oh, goodness. Podman... Please, 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 please tell me you're true. Yeah, I mean, you, it, 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 don't worry. But we got to do the show. They said they like listening to the show for you to, to they said, because to hear your thinking process helps them. So are you ready? Wait, wait, wait so, so I will be real. Is there a real Harpy One? Is there a real Harpy One? Oh, they're building it. They said, uh. Uh, 40 to 45 weeks, the Harpy One will be ready for you. Uh, probably, you know, they just get, and is there a spot? Of course, they said Sir Pounds will go through all the same training as you. Oh, Podman. Oh, Podman. Okay, so we got to do the show, though, because, and then, never mind, there's no one watching, so don't worry about it. Is it but, but, but Pyramid Base is watching. Yeah, the real pyramid base, not the pyramid base you blew up and, and destroyed the whole universe of innocent people pyramid. Do you think, now, is my, am I so powerful as a spaceman that when I did that, I really destroyed an entire universe of innocence? Uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, but let's just do the show. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. So, 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 Harpy Base is really going to be watching me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, harpy bass for sure. Okay, you ready? Okay, I'm ready. So the K pound, you do the. I think d the first episode was W pounds, and now it's K pounds. So you. Okay. Okay. What do you think? The, 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 I'm already a spaceman, so I can't mess it up. So right. Yeah, right. Right. Okay. 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 Excuse me. <sighs> okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we, we, we welcome to another afternoon of uh, Best Friends Theater here on K-Bounce uh, Radio. K-Bounce Radio, the radio station dedicated to a friendship forged in space that transverses all spaces 
a friendship between a boy and a cat. That both cats and people look upon and they say, now that is the best friendship. It is a friendship so great. They had to create a radio station to, to you know, so they could do a show where the best friends could show the world what best friends do when best friends are doing what they do here on K-Pounce Radio, the radio of best friendship, and we are proud to present this season's final adventure on... Okay, Podman, go. Tommen and Pounce in space with the, with the Podman. Okay, Podman. Okay, so, so to tell them where they were... Okay, when when we were last together, we were we were counting down with the uh, Queen of Confusion, and uh, the Queen of it was the Queen of Confusion, my sister Macella, or or the all of us, and I said I think I had the Queen of Confusion on her heels. So you were playing chicken with? No, 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 no. When I play chicken, it is me and Pounce pulling at the chicken to see. You know, well, I just pull the chicken from... I say, you can have chicken, Sir Pounce, right? Race around. I won. Whatever. I, okay. So, Tom and... Okay. Okay, so we were there, and we were counting down. And let's return to Confusion Station or wherever we were. Okay. Uh, Sir Pounce, could you remind me where, what I was... What comes after five? Rain four. I'm sorry, what? Four. Oh, okay. Four. Okay, Queen of Confusion, I'm going to count down from four. Would you like to start at three? Well, I would, Tom, and I will start at three. Okay, well, then I will start. I'm sorry, my my, my sister's yelling at me. She She's waving. What is it, Marcella? Uh, what is it, Marcella? Uh, Tom, and I'm trying to figure out what you're, what you're doing here. Because, because I thought you were here to save me, and you're going... To destroy me, or my, I don't understand. Well, I, I, okay, just tell me what you want, Tom, and so I could help you. Okay, okay. Well, okay, I'll be honest. Queen, Queen of Confusion, could we have a truce for one second? A truce, if you wish, Tom, and... Okay, I would, Missella, I would like to return to the time uh, when you brought me Sir Pounce, when all we had was each other. It was you, me, mother. I mean, there was other things. Well, I guess when I would pull the covers over my head, I would dream of a day. I would dream of a day when you and mother would climb under the bed with me and we would hide under the covers and we would launch in our own ship together, the three of us. And mother would say to both of us, my sweet sister, she would say, I just want to spend the day with my two children. I am taking my crown off, my crown of confusion forever. And I will spend every minute of every day with my sweet, sweet children. And then she would say, Marcella, you should move in your brother's room. You and your brother should be closer, like best friends. Uh, but, but, but more like brother and sister, just spend, you know, share rooms. We could be, we would be roomies. That's what it is, Marcella. 
roomies, you and I, we would have separate chamber pots, of course, and you know, and and I, I you know, private pri privacy. And I, but but we would be roomies. We would throw shoes at each other. We would, you know, all night. I could talk to my sister and tell her all the things I dream of. I could be, I could say, uh, I don't understand this. Marcella, could you listen to me? Why do I want to hold it and squish it in my hand? And then I could talk to you. Wait, Marcella, you're, you're saying something. If, okay, Tom, and if I press this button, it will launch me into the vacuum of space. Uh, yes, forever. That's what I'm trying to avoid. Is like a countdown. So you know, I I know Mother loves you so. So do. Oh, good. Sipounce, what just happened? Mamma meow. That's a meow. Hey, what was that? Where's my sister? Meow. She's around. Hey, Simon. It's Podman. I think she's floating into. Uh, your sister's in the vacuum of space. She launched herself into the vacuum of space. Oh, good. Oh, no. Oh, no. She, she's gone? Technically, you could. I think you could look out that window over there, and uh, you could see her. But, yeah, she's, I think she's frozen. Oh, oh, that's... So she launched her, so we won't be roomies. Okay. Uh, well, Queen of Confusion... You you seem speechless. Is that a tear in your eye? Well, Queen, it looks like now your choice is simpler. Uh, you could, uh, you know, t remove the crowd of confusion, which I'm sh pretty sure, as, uh, as long as I've thought about it, it is that crown that confuses you so, Queen. And if you would just take the crown off your head, you could be not the Queen of Confusion. In a word, I, I, I fear saying straight to you, Queen. Uh, m mother, m can you say it for me, Sir Pounce? Mummer, 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 mummer. Would you like to be my mummer, Queen of Confusion, and take off your crown? Well, Tommen, well, Tom. Oh, what is that, Sir Pounce? What's that beeping noise? I'm sorry. What? He said, uh, "There's, a, there's a alert coming in." From the base that replaced a pyramid base, because you blew up pyramid base. Oh, there's another base? Yeah, Space Command has, like, uh, more than one command vessel that they command space with, you know, including all of their... Well, there... But Harpy 1 is the only Harpy 1, correct? Uh, you named the ship Harpy 1. I think it was uh, Starship uh, G47QP... Pound uh, ampersand or something. I'm sorry. So I was not flying the Harpy One. No, you were the the Harpy. You, no. Okay, can, can, uh, Sir Pounce, can you turn on? Can you can you broadcast the the? the... Yes, sir. Morning, Ray. Oh, they, they've boarded the ship, Tom. And... Well, well, who is it? Who is it? Who is it that's boarding the ship? Uh, would we, we just call into the base? It's a tut base. Okay, go ahead. Sir Pounce, call up Tut Base. Uh, Tut Base, this is uh, uh, Spaceman Tommen calling in. Oh, I forgot, Podman. I need to look good at this. Okay, I need to look good so they really... Because they're really watching this show. Two hire me as a real space... Okay, Tommen, we're live. So just do, do the radio show. Don't worry about the real space... Okay, okay. 
uh, where was I? Oh, uh, 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 what was that called again? Tut base, uh, tut base. Uh, what is the meaning of this? I've, I've already, I'm with the Queen of Confusion. She's about to turn herself over to the, to motherhood. Uh, correct, Queen. Did you make a decision, Queen of Confusion? Uh, she, she, wait, why are the gods surrounding the Queen of Confusion? There's gods everywhere. There's armed men. Sabalance, what's going on? Armed men. Well, I know there's armed men, Sabalance. Uh, I want to say pyramid base. I know I blew pyramid base up. Are you guys still mad about that? Are you are you mad about that? Uh, what is it, uh, Tut Base? Uh, Tommen, this is uh, Tut Base calling. We're arresting the Queen of Confusion on charges of uh, uh, influencing the destruction of universe of inner innocence and wreaking havoc among uh, planet planets and planetoids and uh, universes. Okay, well, uh, you don't need to arrest the Queen of Confusion, because I have her. She is going to turn herself over to me to, uh, uh, for a new therapy. You know, you, do you guys remember Dr. Panic? Uh, uh, Podman, do you, is, 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 uh, is Top Base listening? Yeah, I think they're listening, Tommen. Okay, she is. Uh, when Doctor Panic was on my ship, he developed a new way to uh, take Queens of Confusion because there have been. Well, there's only one Queen of Confusion to take Queens of Confusion, and uh, and to uh, reform them. It's called the Motherhood Program. And Doctor Panic, he did not uh, get ejected out of the ship. He is moved uh, back to uh, Red Keep Base, uh, an official base called Red Keep Base. That's one word, red keep, not two words. And he's going to uh, help reform the Queen of Confusion with his, uh, the Motherhood Program. And we, w we will share it with the universe, of course, uh, uh, Tut Base. Is, 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 so please have your soul. Why are they pointing their guns at him? My, my, I mean, my, my mother, my Queen of Confusion. Tommen, uh, Cadet Tommen, we, she is too dangerous, and we believe she has an undue influence on you. We are taking her in for a trial and punishment. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, okay, boys. Uh, excuse me, no, 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 uh, tut base. Uh, uh, the Queen of Confusion is my, uh, I was here first. So you need to take your soldiers off the ship. Oh, why are they, serpents, are they, are those... Are they pointing those at me? Round, 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 round. Okay, they're pointing their weapons at me. Okay, they're, they're pointing their weapons at me. Uh, uh, Podman, what do you think? It, what, uh, as Podman is, is uh, uh, the only worker on the ship, what, what do you think is a commoner? What, what is your opinion of this situation? Okay, I think you already messed with the space police once you don't want to mess with the authorities, Tommen. Oh, who do the authorities work for, Podman? Um, in space, I think they work for, like, the Interplanetary Council of Peaceful uh, Planets, which is some sort of uh, inter-universal government that uh, elects leaders, collects taxes, and they're the ones that play, paid for Harpy One and your training. And if you want to be a real spaceman... They'll be the ones that hire you. Okay, well, let's see if we could reach a comp. Remember you were teaching me compromise with the chicken. You said, don't. This is my chicken. And I pulled it from you, and I said, commoners don't eat chickens. They eat nothing. 
and I laughed. I said, I said, oh, ho, ho, ho. and I said, e eat nothing now, Kamina. Okay, let, let me get back to uh, uh, Pyramid Base. Oh, oh, no, Pyramid Base is gone. I blew it up. Uh, Tut Base. This is uh, Tommen. Now I know you have your little uh, construction, your, your, your leadership. And I know that you think you know what is best. But I can tell you this woman here, she is a queen of confusion. And she has been confused her whole life about who she loves, what she loves. And if you can rule a whole universe, and if you, if you want to be a government that, uh, that follows the whole world, what better way to show these universes that you control? Uh, this woman, she just wants to be a complete the mother, good mother program and change her ways, correct, Queen of Confusion? Uh, what, what is the, what are the charges? Could you tell me the charges, uh, Tut Base? Uh, uh, the charges are, uh, interplanetary destruction of innocent universes, corrupting universes, and, uh, you know, to be honest with you, Queen of Confusion, the universe just dislikes you on the, for the most part. Okay, well, uh, w w w w I've got an idea. I've got an idea. Uh, 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 okay, tut base, I have an idea. So, Pounce, are you ready for a good idea? Right round. Yes, right now. You will hear a great idea. Potman, are you ready for a good idea? Uh, yeah, Tommen. Uh, tut base, what if you take the con if uh, if you do arrest the Queen of Confusion, and you put her under house arrest... And she shares a room with me, and I attempt to administer to her the motherhood program as roomies. So the two of us, Queen of Confusion, you and I would be roomies for for some time. As as long as it takes, you know, I respect the ultimate space authority because, you know, as a spaceman, I've thought about my options. And I'd say, geez, I want to help space and the Queen of Confusion, a compromise, as the Podman has taught me. Is that what a compromise is? So, Bounce, what do you think about compromise? rise Yeah, rom rise A rom rise if you will. So, you will, you will arrest the Queen, you will arrest me as the uh, Queen's ambassador, and Rumi, and we will stay together every day, every minute of every day, forever, Queen, until you become a mother, and your trial, you know, we, we, and you'll be ready for your trial. You'll say, "I have learned by, you know, we have so much we could do. We could read. You, I could learn to read. I would like to learn to read, you know, the books. The Podman has showed me pictures. I'd say I'd like to. I'd like to know about those dragons. And you could read to me. We could have snuggle time. We could have water fights. You know, so many things, Queen of Confusion." As a motherhood, what what do you think about that? Your whole time, oh dear, Sabans, where did the Queen of Confusion go? Rain round, rain round. Uh, the Queen of Confusion, Podman, what did he say? Uh, she launched herself out of the ship too, uh, and they just shot her frozen body with lasers from uh, from Tut Base. Oh, so the Queen of Confusion is gone. Uh, 
But this is just fiction, Podman. You've taught me. This is only made up, so I will not weep that the Queen of Confusion, she's not really gone, is she? My mother, my mother's fine, right? No, yeah, this is just me. You're making up the story, Thomas, so I don't even know what's happening. But we should finish the story first. Okay. So, Tut Base, uh, I guess we blew up the Queen of Confusion together. Good work. Uh, that's the kind of work a real spaceman would do. You know, the real... Uh, a, a spaceman that could name a ship Hoppy One. You know, that's a real spaceship name, Hoppy One. Commander Tommen of the Hoppy One. So, you've seen me in action. We've worked as a team. You've, uh... You know, blown up a fifth, my mother, but just a fictional mother. And she won't find out about this, right, Padman? No, I hope no one in that universe... Okay. So... Uh, you know, the good work, Tut, uh, Tut, what was it? Tut Base? Okay, Tut Base, uh, this is Spaceman Tom and out. Uh, so Pounce, what do you say you and I get a, a bowl of milk and share it? Right around. Okay, so that's it, uh, uh, mission complete. Uh, Queen of Confusion, uh, no longer confused. And so Tom and, uh, a Spaceman with a best friend, and also a commoner that works uh, works on the ship. And that is the final adventure of... Okay, go, Padman. Tommen and Pounce in space with the Podman. Oh, oh, Podman, that was... So do you think I'll really be hired as a spaceman? Oh, sure, yeah, for sure, Tommen. They'll definitely... Uh, after, the, I, I'm really impressed how you brought that all together. So I'm sure the way you compromised and the fact they shot the queen with the lasers and the fact that you should want to share a room with your mother and your sister. Like, I don't think they have a psychological battery test, so I think you'll be fine. Oh, so I will be a spaceman. Oh, yeah, like in 40, 38 weeks, I think. Well, yeah, about 38 weeks, maybe 40 52, 42 weeks, you should be a spaceman, unless you have another interest in 42 weeks. Uh, you might be interested in doing something else, like, uh, remember Indiana Jones or Goonies or something? Oh, okay. Well, I, I need to go. I need to get back, because I, I don't believe this fictioning of fiction can be fictioned, so I need to see my mother. Uh, you know, she, she did stub a toe. And she said, why are you locked in your room? So Gregor, break down this door. And then a man with a blue face came. Okay, you can't talk about that on the show. We can't talk about that. It's not. That's fan fiction. Oh, well, I thought this was fan fiction. No, this is parody we're doing right now. This is parody. Or uh, the other one, like the political thing, satire. But I, I, it's one of those, I think. But I'm really here, though, so if I'm really here, you've kidnapped me from my universe. Uh, no, I'm just having a mental break with reality, so I'm suffering. So it could also be just mental illness. That could be another argument. It might not be fan, fan fiction. It could just be a mental illness episode recorded, uh, break with reality. Oh, okay, that's what they, you know, the maester said that to me once. He said, your son is having trouble with reality. That is why he keeps going to the bathroom in, in public. 
Has that ever happened to you, Podman? Uh, it has, actually, believe it or not. Recent when you were my age? Uh, anyway, we better wrap up, Tom. And Okay, Podman, I cannot wait. How long is 42 weeks? Is that a long time? Uh, for a commoner it is, but for you, probably not. Just, okay, I'll miss you. Okay, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll hug you. Oh, Podman, oh, I, I, I don't like, oh, no, you see, you, you don't smell like lilacs like uh, most people do. You smell, is that what flesh smells like? It's disgusting. Okay, I, I need to get back to my, my place. I need to bathe. So, Pounce, what do you think? Ryan, 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 well, I'm sorry, so Bounce, what? Oh, you want to go see Tina and Tamara from last season. Okay, we will go see Tina and Tamara, and then we will go back. Thank you, Podman. Good day. All right, thanks, Tom, and I'll miss you. Oh, of course you will. You will. You miss... Would you like to kiss my ring before I go? Uh, no. No, 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 no. That is when a, when a royal says that to you, it's a command. It sounds like, would you like to kiss my ring? It means fall to your knees and kiss my ring. Would you like to kiss my shoes instead of my ring for insulting me? Yes, yes, your grace. Okay, goodbye. It's, I did not clean those shoes either. Goodbye. Okay, that's it for uh, Tom and Pounce in space. Thank God. Uh, Crone, uh, sweet, sweet Crone, Miller, Smith, Barky, Jester, uh... It's uh, me uh, praying in. First up, you know, prayer of apology. I just recorded the thank yous, and I forgot to I forgot to address it to you guys. I just addressed it to the listeners. So don't smote any listeners that were thanked because it was my. I, I guess I was just too excited. I said, "Well, Jesus," and then I was so sorry about that for right off the bat. Yeah, Bar- Barky, I, I gave up, I think I gave up on finding out about API. And I know it's the end of the season, gods, and uh, I know this is probably weird in most, uh, you know, I don't know what your other relationships are like with your other um, pra- praisers. Or am I a praiser or praisee or am I a... Uh, a, a, a Am I an acolyte or a neophyte or whatever, you know, I don't know what your relationship is like with your other um, uh, religious folks, but, uh, you know, I think I think I'm, I'm a prayer. I think we need a break, gods, or I need a break, I'll be honest. Like, uh, I'm barely, you know, I guess I'm just not cut out for this, you know, steady, steady weekly commitment to you guys and uh, you know maybe it's a personal flaw maybe you know I, I don't I'm not cut out maybe I don't have what it takes to be a top uh, uh, again it'd be useful if I had the word for what I'm looking for you know top prayer guy top top follow I'm not I guess I am I, a, I guess I'm a follower of you guys but uh but I don't want that to mask the good work we're doing here, guys. Well, I mean, I guess if, oh boy, guys, I'm feeling myself getting into, uh, what do they call that, when Grudge City. And maybe that's why I need a break, because, you know, I just asked one God who controls every tree in the known universe to look up one phrase 
uh, technically not even a phrase, Barky, just API. What does it mean? It's not like I got every minute. You know, I don't I don't even have branches. I have a trunk and two arms and legs, and I need that stuff to just survive. So anyway, Barky, please, you know, I'm not, I guess I'm irritated. I'm not mad. I mean, but, uh, but you know, I don't know, guys. I guess a couple problems, okay? I think I'm suffering from mission creep gods. And I mean, I know if you're watching me with amusement, which is like, hopefully that's the kind of god, god, uh, like, can I just say patient? Like, you're kind of like doctors, space doctors or something. But can we say, like, God-patient relationship just for just because it's for shorthand? As, as your patient, uh, you know, I think I get out, I guess I get all these big ideas. I say, oh, boy, uh, let's solve the world's problems with an app to complain into. And then this week... I said to myself, well, this, we got this water crisis in California. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to brag and say, well, California, you know, they start out with a lot of trends here, mostly in Southern California. They're better at starting trends than up here. Like the original Kardashians, they started down there. But other stuff, too. I don't know if Kanye's from originally from Southern California, but probably but I said, with this water crisis, guys, I said, should, maybe I should start flushing my toilet with a bucket, you know. And I talked about it, with, and I said, well, you know, is this, is this uh... and then I said, why the heck doesn't somebody invent something? You know, I realize we can't undo all the plumbing and stuff, but something you could stick in your, like, because uh, I have a shower-tub combo, you know, I don't know you... Interesting, we've never talked about hygiene. Do you guys have to do hygiene, or do you do it because it feels pretty good? But, okay, so mission creep. So I said, what if I pitch the guys this week on inventing something you put in your shower, it sucks the water into some sort of basin, and then you flush your toilet with that water, because really that water's getting wasted realistically. And why the hell aren't you flushing your toilet? You know, it doesn't make any sense. We're humans. I know you guys are laughing and then probably want to throw some thunderbolts. And I would say, you know, go ahead. I mean, I understand your irritation. I mean, I just yelled at Barky about 10 seconds ago. So, but I, and then I said, whoa, boy, what the this is my conversation with myself, God. says your patient, patient, patient combo, uh, patient to patient, you know. I said, well, dude, what the hell are you doing? Like, uh. You're trying to pitch the gods on a complaint app. Don't start with the toilet, you know, uh, bathroom remodels. And I said, well, no, no, it'll be more of a Kickstarter thing, like it hangs on the side of the... And they said, the other part of my brain said, uh, cool, it's your, your, your mission creep. You got your Sleeper Summer, you got a Midler app, and you're not getting any help from the gods, re realistically, you know, other than, like, uh, help yourself help. You got, you know, you're working on this, you're going to launch a new series, and then you got your uh, replacement for a game of drones. Uh, cool it. And then I said, well, I also got a bunch of other ideas now that we're talking to myself. And I said, okay, maybe it's maybe a mission creep. Let's cut back on the bathroom uh, kickstarters. Especially since, you know, 
we don't even have like uh, anything, and I don't know anything about apps either, other than Midler, you know, the app to complain into, or whatever. I got to review the tape scads to find out. You know, I know we came up with a pitch, but I know if you've been watching me, gods, you know, you know, I may, I may seem like I'm in a bad mood, but I'm in a particularly good mood. And maybe this ties back to Midler. You, you know, the you know, my building has the one washer and dryer, four four unit building. And it broke. And it took a while to get it fixed. It was free washer-dryer gods. Living in an apartment, that's like a dream come true. And we all would share. We we got it down. Uh, but then it broke. And and since I don't have a car, like, going to the laundromat is a friggin' nightmare. And it said, oh, and then I, was, then I had something new to complain about. I wish I had Midler. Uh, where, where, fix the friggin' thing. Laundromat is too far. You know, I had a lot of Midlers there. But then as soon as the washer and dryer was fixed yesterday, it was like, I honestly felt like a demigod, maybe. Like, no longer a patient. I was like, man, this is nice. Doing laundry just steps from my door. And I don't even think I can do the the calming, soothing feelings I was feeling justice, gods. I said, you know, maybe taking stuff away makes us appreciate it, and it sounds so trite, but I was like, geez, I love doing laundry when it's not a pain in the ass. And then a couple weeks from now, I'll be like, well, laundry's a pain in the ass. And you guys might be like, oh, this is the human condition. You know, I, I don't know. Do you guys do you guys have a central meeting spot? We didn't, I don't think you told me that either. Oh, you guys don't tell me anything, gods. But I like to picture a central meeting spot, like a little bit like Clash of the Titans. I think we were talking about that, like cloud, cloud, cloud quarter, like we have a cloud quarters. I still haven't seen the uh, season finale of uh, Silicon Valley. But I think we should have, a, at least if you, if I was a guy, I'd have cloud quarters. I'd say, hey, Crone, come on over. I'll put out some of those, uh, you know, butterscotch candies you like. And, you know, I'll have extra pillows or, whatever, you know, whatever you would midler me about, Crone, I would have that ready for you. And the rest of you gods. Uh, so, guys, I don't know. Was there a point with that laundry stuff? I, I guess the point is, I guess I'm trying to grasp, uh, you know, how you guys work. I know they say, you know, well, we're working in our ways of wonder. And so I guess my proposal, gods, is this is not a breakup. I'm not, I don't, I don't have any other, well, I'll be honest, there's a couple other, you know, if I'm going to go polytheistic, there are a couple, I said, she said, I'd like to hang with Buddha at least a little and see, you know, poke his belly. Maybe Confucius, I don't know if that was, I think that was a religion, but I said, he, he's got some nice, like, uh, bite-sized sayings, which would be good for me. But isn't that either-or, guys? I've been doing, my life's been all or nothing thinking. It's not going to be that way. Uh, but but I said, what if I take a break from the gods? Now, guys, I, I can't believe I'm telling you this, but I know I can't fool you, Crone. I can't pull the Afghan over your eyes or the doilies. But uh, what if I spend some time away from you? And then suddenly Barky's like, oh, gee, jeepers, I should have uh, looked up and learned what API is. And maybe Smith, since you're a god, and you say, well, geez, I'm just banging on these uh, swords. 
maybe I shouldn't, maybe, maybe instead of, maybe, maybe, you know, I'm not the war God. I'm just the working on war stuff God. Maybe a war on uh, complaining would be a good thing, you know. So I guess that's my proposal, God. Are you going to miss me? And, you know, if you don't miss me, you know, I'll be back. I mean, that's, you know, so I can hear you laughing, Jester. Yeah, I can hear you laughing. But it's like, uh, you might say, well, are you, okay, God, am I giving up on Midler? Uh, No, I'm taking, I said, well, we've developed, I've taken the idea as far as I can without help, God. I guess that's what I said. I'm pretty sure you guys are helping me, but I don't understand it. So maybe I'll understand it better if I take a break. I don't know. And by take a break, I don't, like, I only mean of the once a week calling you guys up. Like, it's still, if I stub my toe, I'll probably still say, fucking groan, fuck. Or, uh, you know, if I just need to grin, I'll say, parky. And when I see a tree... Barky, do you see it when I high-five trees? Well, I can't high-five them. Usually I do a little bark slap. I say, hey, Barky. Do you, do you like that, Barky? Because I try. I say, geez, I wonder if Barky likes that at all. Uh, Smith and Miller, I know you guys are probably wicked busy, so I just, like, you know, I save, your, you know. I don't really have a sword. I don't use weapons in my day-to-day life. And that's a good thing. I mean, because if, if I had weapons... Oh boy, that would be bad, you know, because I'm rash, rash action. Miller, I guess I probably should have breakfast time, you know, pause and say, uh, you know, let's pause for the grinder of these grains and the God that, uh, you know, said, hey, you know, you're not really good at much. Why don't you grind some grains? That's a possible career choice for you. And, you know, if you could refine the grains, you could get people, you know, to eat a lot more. I guess, uh, Miller, where do you fall on that? Uh, Where are you on the white grain controversy? I think I want to say we had this conversation and I didn't hear back from you. Are you you, you a full germ? Are you a full germ person, Miller? Because, I mean, it'd be more work. You know, you say, geez, well, if you're grinding the grain, why throw anything out? I guess that'd be... But then if we're talking about that, then we might as well get back to this recycling idea. How come... Okay, here's another question, Gads. Well, I just thought of another question. But, but how come there's no water god up there? We could use a water god. I don't know who we... John Snow. And I said, well... I don't know if Johnson's a water god. He's no, he's, a, I'm thinking of a word that has like an N and a Y in it. Nymphy. We need someone more nymphy than John Snow. You say, who's the most nymphy person on Game of Thrones that's not with us anymore? Uh, I said, well, okay, we'll have to think, but why isn't there a water god? We could use, oh, you know what, gods? I'm Aquarius. Maybe this is where this is all coming from. I'm in the water bear. That's what we could name this product, gods. And yes, I can feel you rolling my eyes, your my eyes and myself, and, you know. But yeah, what if we said the Aquarius, it bears your water from your tub to your toilet. 
If you don't like it, use Midler to complain. But everyone else is going to be complaining about you for wasting your freaking water, jackass. Aquarius and Midler Corp. Uh, another thing, gods, uh, to- this is total mission creep, but I know you guys are going to like this idea. And I said, well, if we're going to close out the season, we should do it on a high note. You know, we should like a party at, you know, cloud, cloud, our cloud quarters. But, you know, I read this, I went through this list of candy, candy inventions earlier in the episode. And I was thinking, you know, Hershey, they have Hershey Park. What do you guys say about Midler, Midler Park, Midler Aquarius Land, Midler Aquarius Land now? Midler Park sounds more like a place where perverts hang out, guys. You know, don't go to Midler Park. That's where the guy, those guys hang out with the mustaches. Uh, you know, all those guys. That's where Game of Thrones found all the guys that exposed themselves to Cersei at Midler Park. And, 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 and the woman that did it, too. So, But I, I like Midler Park. Maybe Midler Park could also be like a site of a political rally. Here we are at Midler Park uh, for the announcement of a new bathroom-related contraption by a man standing on a, a milk crate. Oh, Barry, they, oh, that's the same guy that was ca- talking about that app to complain into. Just cut the tape. Um, so, guys, what do you think about a theme park? We take our, 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 our earnings from the Midler app. Oh, wait, I said that Midler app's not going to earn any money. And we don't have the other, you know, that other project's pie in the sky. You say, well, geez, kickstart a, a toilet flusher that goes in your shower. There's nothing Americans love more than inconvenience and uh, anything having to do with their toilets. They say, well, why don't you just put the toilet in the shower, idiot? And I'd say, don't, please don't yell at me when I'm trying to pitch the gods, please. Nana. Uh, sorry, guys, that was my internal Nana creeping in there. But I'd say, what if we take, so why do we need money? You're gods, that's one thing. But why not? You know, we got a couple ideas, half-baked. What could be more half-baked than a, a, a theme, cloud-based theme park? Huh? Crone. You could have a bench there. We could name it the Crone, you know, Crone's Nest. That could be a ride. Or, like, that's where you go and look. Yeah, Crone will have, like, one of those observation towers for you. You'll be up there. I'll get you, like, speakers, either brain-based speaker system. And you could just sit up there and shame people. Where'd you learn to walk? What? what? You know, just like my Nana and my brain, you could do that to people at the theme park. But, we, you know, we'd put some sort of spin on it. Oh, you've been blessed by the Crone. That's why you're weeping. What do you say, Crone? Crone's Nest. Barky, uh, oh, Revenge of the Trees, I'd probably say, would be your ride. You know, a ride where you guys get back at us. You know, but just like viscerally, no touching. Barky, what you, you, I can tell you're actually, you were more interested in that than API. I can sense it. I can sense, I can sense uh, your bark's quiver. I can sense your cambium quivering. Uh, uh, let's see, what else? Smith, you could sell all sorts of crap, you know, and, uh, you know, we could have a, tr- well, what, uh, Smith, I'll have to get back to you. 
uh, M- Miller, we could uh, we could well see we could have a Ferris wheel, but that's kind of boring. And I'm sure they've called that the Miller's wheel before. We have a flume ride. Uh, hell, how about this Miller? A, a Ferris wheel that goes in the water. It could either be sealed so the people don't get wet, and we could have sharks that fake attack them under the water. The Miller's wheel. Or the water wheel, sponsored by the Miller. Something like that, Miller. Crohn's nest, let's see. Jester, you could have some sort of, um, you know, Jester, watch Pinocchio. And there's probably a couple other movies like that. And get back to me and say, well, do I want a, an all, you know, some sort of gonzo part of the theme park to be for me? Or just the adult section. Like, it would be nice... I think adults are constantly like, why the hell doesn't this have an adult section, this theme park? Because you got a couple of kinds of theme parks, guys, real quick, because I know we're, we're running over time here. You got the ones like Disney that are so expensive. Pretty nice. Kids love them. But it still doesn't stop kids from crying and complaining. And it's exhausting. So you got that kind uh, then you got a theme park that's full of mostly teens, and they're running around doing teen stuff. There's gum stuck on everything. And most of the people that work there are high on various things. You know, say, well, that's gum. that person's on that, that person's on that. So, you know, what about a theme park that's, like, actually fun for the kids, and then you go to Jesterland, you know, for the adults? No, well, it's the only people that could pull it off is our gods, you know, with a phalanx of lawyers. Okay, so we got in the Smith. I, I'm sorry to leave you out, Smith. It's just like I know you probably hate. It's just my opinion. You probably don't like joy. You say, "Geez, what the hell are you guys laughing about?" Pounding this crap is a lot of work, and I would say we could have a ride where people work on your stuff, but. You know, we're, you know, pounding stuff just sucks. You can't even trick people. I don't even think we could trick them into pounding swords or whatever. But maybe what we do, Jester, here's here's one thing they do at these some of these ride, parks. They have an awesome ride, or it's in two parts, and you have to get off and watch some stupid freaking movie in the middle or at the beginning. So we'll come up with some awesome ride like the Dagger Dash Doomsday uh, Dangler. It's like a you know roller coaster, shoots you off a friggin' cliff with bungee crap. But but before it and in the middle, while they're in the bungee thing, they'll be bungeeing, like the roller coaster bungees at one point, into a, a IMAX theater bungee bungee, and then you do a presentation about. Uh, you know, apprenticeship is, is uh, uh, you know, blacksmith apprenticeships. And you say, well, I'd like to talk to you today about uh, blacksmithing. It's a tradition as old as time. Have you enjoyed a spoon in the last day? Or a spork or a fork? Well, without a, of a, okay, what do you think about that, Smith? There you go. Thanks, God. So I forgot what my original call-in was to say Mission Creep. Mission Creeped, I guess. There we go, Mission Creeped, just like at Midler Park. Uh, Mission Creeped. I think that would be my ride, Mission Creeped. It could be some sort of space, you know, the Creeper. 
you know, nothing too scary, but, you know, some sort of uh, squid-like, yeah, mission creep. Maybe that would be Tommen's ride. But so, um, yeah, so guys, I guess you're not going to hear from me. The question will be, will you know I'm gone? And I know the I know I'll miss you more than you miss me. That was all bla, uh, what is that called bluster earlier. And I'm learning. I don't think I can. I don't know if I appreciate you, gods, Miller, Smith, Barkey, Jesser, Crone, sweet sweet Crone. Oh, sweet sweet Crone. But you know, I, 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 who knows? I, they might. I might be. You know, I might get into some desperation within the next week and a half and I'll be praying into you saying please take me back and you'll say we'd never left you we're the footprints in the sand in your bed we were dancing in your bed in footprint sand the whole time you were on your journey to sleep so thank you gods for that and uh you know soon if not soon, you know, about 40 weeks. So I'll talk to you. Thank you, God, so much for this opportunity to praise you. Good night.